is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a great weekend. Let's do it. Welcome to another show and another week of Winnipeg Sports Talk and Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you along with Michael Remus. Monday program, lots to get to coming out of the weekend. Another big win for the Bombers. They finished the season undefeated at IG Field. And a split for the Winnipeg Jets. A convincing win over a dreadful Blackhawks team Friday night. And a real test against Barry Trotz's New York Islanders on Saturday night that resulted in a shout-out victory for the visitors. We'll get to all of that coming up with Michael Remus. And at 1.30... Hammer will pop by Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Jeff was covering the Blue Bomber game. We'll uh, kind of dive into what happened and really the intrigue going forward as to how Mike O'Shea and Kyle Walters handled this roster for the next couple of weeks as we await the winner of the West Semi on December 5th in Winnipeg for the West Final. And uh, we'll also look ahead to a busy week for the Winnipeg Jets hosting. It should be a great game tomorrow night, the uh, St. Louis Blues Right up there, uh, St. Louis and Minnesota, the only teams ahead of Winnipeg right now in the Central Division. First head-to-head matchup against the Blues on the season, uh, as well as the Los Angeles Kings and the San Jose Sharks coming up this week as the Jets continue this homestand. Um, All that coming up, CFL week, NFL, crazy day yesterday in the NFL. Massive, massive upsets. Good day for the sports books, I think, after uh, not a great season so far. So we're going to get to all of that coming up uh, over the course of the next uh, couple hours here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're new, uh, make sure you're, if you're popping by on YouTube, welcome. Make sure you hit that thumbs up button and hit the red subscribe button. Make sure that you are subscribed. And for everyone listening on the podcast, thanks so much for us making a, uh, you making us a part of your day. Hey, before we do go in, a big welcome to all of our sponsors, as well as our newest sponsor, Great to have the good folks at Vita Health Fresh Market on board with us. I'll tell you more about Vita Health in a few minutes. I know Remo was there at Vita Health yesterday, uh, but just a fantastic official WST welcome to Vita Health, as well as all of our other sponsors making this show happen every day, including Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Princess Auto, Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky TQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club, and our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. We will get to lines for uh, three games tonight in the National Hockey League and a Monday nighter between the Steelers and Bears a little bit later on today on the program. Let's get Remus in here. Remo, how are you doing, and how was uh, how was the weekend? It was great, Huss. I hit a couple. Uh, I hit a milestone as a father. I moved uh, the car seat from rear facing to forward facing, so kids getting old. But um, you wouldn't well, understand. Okay, you wouldn't I have understand. No idea. Yeah, you wouldn't understand. You're not a dad. That's okay. But uh, we did actually have some Jets what? news just now. Are, wait a second. Are you serious? Oh, is that? Uh, does that happen? Like for a while, the kid has to face backwards, and then yeah, as he yeah, gets bigger, like he gets to face mom and dad. Yeah, exactly. It's a wow. sa- car seat safety. Uh, it's improved. So yeah, you have to have him face. Haven't taken that course yet. Don't yeah. have that club in the bag. No. So <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we did have some Jets news that just came on during your intro. Has uh, the Jets? When we'll get to all this uh, because this is related to Hellbuck's return. But they did recall Veselin and and sent down the Birdman. So. Uh, I see wrench user typing it in chat. I I get the alerts as well, but uh, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> big 
<laughs> I'm getting a lot of kudos in the chat. As a lot of people familiar with uh, kids' car seats. I would imagine. I would yeah. imagine. I think there's a lot of parents that are tuning in uh, to the program, whether they uh, still have the young ones or whether they've dealt with this in the past. Um, you know, this is some sort of good advice. Well, anyways, congratulations. Now, did you actually do it yourself? Uh, of did you have yeah. to go to YouTube to figure out oh. how one switches the Man. switches the car seat from front to back? I did mine. I did my wife's. I did my parents' car seat. I switched them all. I had to watch many YouTube videos Friday night after the Jets game. That was my that was my night. I've watched a lot of YouTube videos on how to set up kids kids stuff. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Well, you know, you turning into a dad and now a handyman and now a producer of a successful show. There's mm -hmm. been uh, it's been a lot of shocking developments over the last few years. But this uh, this another one. Um, mm -hmm. All right. Let, let's get to it. As I said, we're going to spend uh, uh, we'll start in on the Bombers with Hamilton a little bit later on. And there's lots of football to talk about, both in the Canadian Football League and a crazy day in the National Football League. Uh, we will hear from Coach Paul Maurice. He spoke after the practice today, as well as new dad, Connor Hellebuck. Um, but, Remo, as you mentioned, before we get to the games and what happened and didn't happen for the Winnipeg Jets this weekend, uh, it was a general sigh of relief for everybody to see Hellebuck back in net today at Jets practice. And, um, you know, we'll get to Eric Comrie because I thought he has been great. And, and the amount of crows served up in the chat has been on the increase on a daily basis every time Eric Comrie plays. Uh, but the bottom line is, Connor Hellebuck is the man for the Winnipeg Jets. So to get him back uh, as a happy new dad, we'll hear from Hellebuck a little later on as well. Very good news. But I have to say, coming out of the weekend, um, if you want to look at performances both Friday and Saturday, you could definitely make the argument that Eric Comrie was the best Jet. Yeah, almost got a shutout on Friday and Saturday. Um, what's up, 29 of 31? So, you know, all, you know, Friday, I'm thinking, man, Andrew Kopp, look at this guy, three assists. What a great player. He's been playing on the first line, showing great hands that time and finishing ability. Andrew Kopp's been pretty solid. And all summer, all we heard, you know, it's funny, all summer, all we heard was Kopp's not a first line player. Dubois, uh, you know, he was, was a terrible trade. He's He sucks. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, he's he's playing like the Dubois of old. And Eric Comrie... Um, he's not, you know, he's not a real backup. And to be fair, I was probably going to give most credit to the Eric Comrie one just because his numbers, he hadn't really proved anything at the NHL. But I think if you watch his first four games this year, what is the record? Three and one. He's been more than capable. You may even say he's been a bargain for his 800K salary. So, Absolutely. I, I mean, he's... I mean, the Jets couldn't score, but it wasn't... I mean, that's not his fault. He let in two goals against the Islanders, who are a top team. I mean, you have to be happy with the performance. Um, against Chicago, made all the stops that he could except for the one. So I think you got to be... I think Aaron Comrie, a great surprise so far to start the season. And I, I got to be honest, like I was... I was hesitant about him too, but I was willing to give him a shot and see how it well, goes. And, and that's, and and that's well. what I... That's what I'd said on the show all the time. Listen, before we run the guy out of town, can we maybe give him a couple games? Mm -hmm. See how he plays? <laughs> I mean, it was crazy how everyone's opinion was already decided before he'd even been had played one damn game <laughs> this season mm -hmm. for this hockey club. So, you know, this is a lot more work to do. But I think as far as if that was your big concern as to what happens for the Winnipeg Jets when Connor Hellebuck isn't in the net, the performance of Eric Comrie quite early has been one of the great stories so far this season. I see Northside YEG and we're going to get to McDavid's goal in a minute. 
question for Jets mm -hmm. fans. Are you all scared of the Oilers yet? Northside, you know, we've got the home and home against the Oilers next week. I really want to go to the soccer game out there, trying to find a way to get there and then see the Jets-Oilers game as well on the, on the Thursday. And if I do go, I might bring a broom to that game. You know why? Yeah, you remember why. To remind everybody, before we, uh, you know, you plan parades or anything like that, Oilers got swept by the Jets last year. Not, no, that's completely beyond everyone's memories. But um, that would be a great heel move, Reem, showing up at Northlands with everyone fired up, thinking that the Oilers are going to take it all. And just remind them that they thought the same thing going back into the first round against the Jets last year and ended up four and done in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Northlands. That was last year. Um, that was last year, Huss. Um, just on a side note, am I coming through your headphones or your speaker? I'm getting my headphones. Okay, I'm getting some some feedback on it, so I wasn't sure. Anyways, uh, that was last year. I don't know. You do you, you what? You uh, do? I a wouldn't broom. really do that. You, I you just do wanted to give it for to last North. year's sweep. <laughs> well, you know what? Just it would be it just would be a fun fun memory for everyone. Or maybe get a jersey and just have sweep on the back and have a broom as the number. Oh my god! I mean, that was <laughs> la that was last year, and I think to be fair, believe it or not, like Connor McDavid seems to be better. He this is. year than last year, and maybe, you know, he'll get some calls in the playoffs, even though, you know, there's a lot of stuff that gets done to him that doesn't get called. So uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say there. Well, listen, while McDavid. we brought it up, we yeah. may as well quickly talk about this goal because I, it, we'll get into the games and it's going to take us into uh, into Hammer, talking bombers and all that. The McDavid goal on Friday night against the Rangers. Um, I mean, I think it's got to be the goal of the year so far this season. And the crazy thing is that McDavid's done a few things like that. I mean, every time it sees it, oh my God, that's the best goal he's ever scored. No, you're right. It, the crazy thing is that he's done things like that before. But that game, I mean, I was at, you know, watch the, watch the Jets, uh, Blackhawks, and then, um, you know, saddled up in a local watering hole, was watching that Oiler Ranger game. And I mean, it was 4-1. It looked like it was pretty much done. And we heard, like, the, the crazy thing about Edmonton, and I joke about the sweep, but they are getting an incredible confidence uh, of a team that knows that they can win every game. And from the reports, Remo, Tyson Berry said that Leon Dreisaitl skated by the, oil, the uh, Ranger bench down 4-1 and said, don't worry, guys, it's coming. And then, uh, sure enough, we saw it came, and it came in waves. And uh, the Oilers ended up winning that game. Um, but th that was a game, I don't know about you, I probably watched it at least 20 times. And, um, you know, we've seen it on highlight packages. It's been everywhere. But it really is incredible. And if you're the fan of a team other than the Oilers, somewhat scary to see what McDavid is doing right now in the NHL. Yeah, I've watched a lot of Oilers this year because uh, I keep taking McDavid on DraftKings. And whoever's on the ice with him at any time uh, has been Hyman, Pugliarvi lately, Barry as well in the power play. But, I mean, their their power play is operating at like, was like 40% or something stupid. And, uh, you know, but they were down, and I was like, yeah, they're down 4-1 here. I mean, that's surprising, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't count them out. I mean, Connor McDavid, he, look, he's, like, leaving the zone with the puck, does a little loop, you know, goes down the middle, just skates past three guys. He really only has to beat one guy, but there's three guys, like, around him. And not only that, he makes, like, the craziest move, uh, just the fastest hands on the goalie and scores. And it's the tying goal. In the last, what, like, couple minutes of the third period? Um, 
I mean, I, I watched it. I was like, oh, my God, did he just do that? And, I mean, he is amazing to watch. I'm looking at the, uh, the stats there in the third. Yeah, they had Barry, Pugliarvi, McDavid, Drysaddle with the OT winner. It was actually a pretty nice move where on an icing in overtime, the Oilers called a timeout. Now, if you're the team that ices the puck, you can't call a timeout. But they're like, you know what? We need to keep McDavid and Drysaddle out there. <laughs> they call the timeout after the Rangers ice it to give those guys a rest. And then Dreisaitl scored the winner. And he's like, I don't know, he just has a quick flick of the wrist through the goalie's five hole. And um, and they came back and won. That was the story. I don't want to say that was the story. We can also did have the first coach firing. But aside from the Jets games, I mean, that McDavid goal was all over all over my timeline. It pushed the uh, Klingberg one off the front page. It was one of those ones, though, that you go back and you just, you know, you're not watching it every time it comes up. You're like, oh, my God, I got to see that again. And you're mm. just letting it run through and run through again and run through again. And, yes, I see some people in the chats having a little chuckle that our old pal Jacob Truba was involved on the wrong end of said highlight last night. But he certainly had some help because there was four of the Rangers yeah. uh, that got completely undressed we as well as a National Hockey League goaltender. Yeah, I mean, true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no shame in getting posterized or or gift is that the new thing sorry gift if you call it by uh, what the creator intended to be called gift by Connor mcdavid so i mean that one that the highlight was all over twitter everyone's talking about it it was it was pretty incredible to watch and i again i was watching i was watching you know trying to do some stuff but you can't take your eye when off when he's on the ice and uh yes yeah, so we will have jets oilers what next next tuesday not tomorrow we're still next in the tuesday and thursday we're still in the middle Tuesday of this Tuesday here and then Thursday in Edmonton. Unfortunately, that soccer game uh, between Canada and Mexico is also Tuesday night. Um, so to get to that soccer game, I'd have to miss the game here. But I don't know. We'll back work to that back. out. What I, I got to give a shout out. We've got, by the way, Remo, you're going to be very pleased to know our good friend Taylor, one of the queens of the Winnipeg Sports Talk chat and one of our most loyal listeners is going with the Voyageurs and a bunch of the Valor crew out to the game on the weekend oh, on wow. Friday, and I think staying there. So I sent her a message. You go, Tay, you might have to, you might have to make your first appearance on the program at some point with a uh, with a little WST correspondent on the ground in Edmonton for these two wild games. Um, I, I promise we'll spend some time talking about Alfonso Davies in those games a little later on this week. I cannot wait for them. Uh, November 12th is the first game, and then the Mexico game on the 16th. Um, but as we mentioned, we've got lots to get to. And you mentioned, Remo, we had the first coach firing of the year, and it came after Friday's game between the Jets and the Chicago Blackhawks. And uh, that game was essentially over by the first TV timeout. And <laughs> the Chicago Blackhawks played. I mean, they may as well have been skating around with white towels on their sticks. Um, that was a team that completely quit on their coach. Um, some of the top players on the team didn't even show up for the game last night. And I don't know whether they were just demoralized after what had happened at the beginning of the game. But, I mean, the third period was so thoroughly dominated by Winnipeg in a game that you would have thought Chicago at some point just playing out of pride would have showed something going back the other way. Uh, it didn't happen. It didn't materialize. Uh, and you just had that feeling. Like, even with an assistant GM, or a, you know, I guess an interim GM, after Stan Bowman was, uh, well, resigned, that they couldn't go on any longer with this. And, you know, I had a conversation after the game saying, you know, in a normal circumstance, that guy might be fired right now. But 
with the organization in disarray, essentially coming out of the uh, out of the report on the Kyle Beach situation. You wondered how things would be handled. But that game was so bad, and what's been happening has been so bad with the Blackhawks. Uh, it didn't happen a couple hours after the game, but it did happen within 24 hours. And uh, Colton was shown the door on Saturday afternoon to the surprise of absolutely nobody that watched the game on Friday night in Winnipeg. Yeah, and I kept going back to our conversation with Jay Zawoski on Friday. You can go back and and watch that. But he was just saying how Carlton, you know, wasn't, he was Stan Bowman's guy. And now that Stan Bowman was gone, maybe they would be more open to moving on from him. Uh, So much going on with Chicago. And, and, you know, the way they had played was, and there were some, I mean, Jay said he was expecting them to make the playoffs. I don't think we thought they would make the playoffs, but we thought they would be, Competitive. I mean, they made moves in the offseason that would indicate they wanted to try and win getting Seth Jones, Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, Tyler Johnson. But uh, what they took them forever to even have a lead. I mean, the record wasn't quite at the Coyotes level, but it wasn't wasn't ideal. And, you know, they laid an egg like that against uh, the Jets. I mean, not the first team that has fired their coach after losing to the Jets. I remember that would be that was like a thing. For a while back when the Jets, <laughs> back when the Jets weren't a playoff team, teams would come in and lose. And I think Buffalo was one. I forget. I forget who else. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a rough one. And as you said, the first TV timeout, you felt like the game was over. They two quick goals. Uh, but Stasny from Cop the others, and then Pionk had the snipe. Uh, Connor and Cop on the power play. So yeah, I don't know what you what you do in Chicago there, but they're trying to go with a clean slate. And I think they had a decent showing. Um, yesterday, if I recall, but um, the Blackhawks, yeah, they actually yeah. did. They won an OT. They had there a nice, uh, a nice OT win to uh, you know get a couple points, stay ahead of the Arizona Coyotes, who won their first game of the season on the weekend, uh, taking yeah. on the Seattle Seattle Kraken, and you know erasing the zero in the win column. I thought it might be another month before they won a game. To be honest, this team is so bad. And former Jet Andrew Ladd scratched for the first time. Not a good look. When you, you get, get scratched, scratched for the first time on a winless team, and then that team wins their first game of the year, but that that was, unfortunately for the old captain was what happened. He was playing top uh, line minutes, lad, with them. So well, them, yeah, they were throwing out. I believe the line was Beagle, Jay Beagle, centering Louis Erickson and Andrew Lad. That was the top line. Can you imagine being a Coyotes fan this year, especially with the fact that they might move. I mean. God bless anyone that's... What do you mean? They're, they're building an arena there. Well, yeah, okay. We've, <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows that. It's coming. We've, we've, we've heard that one everyone uh, knows. A, a few times later they're, on. They're building an arena at Tempe. Come on, that's the big plan. Um, <laughs> so we won't waste any more time on this yeah. program talking about the Arizona Coyotes, but it has been a running gag as to we should have done a pool as to when they get their first win. Uh, mm-hmm. But anyways, maybe we'll have to do it on when they get their second win because they got it on the weekend. Uh, but as far as the Jets go, you know, coming out mm-hmm. of that game uh, against the Blackhawks, um, you know, the Jets had finished their, you know, their first 10 games. And, you know, it was pretty, I have to say, from a Jets perspective, considering regulation losses in those first two games of the season, for the team to be able to come out of that at, what, 7-2, and or no, I guess it would have been 6-2-2, two, and two, um, you know, with point six wins and points in all eight of the games since they had the first was uh, it was a nice place to be. But I think everyone knew Reem that this was going to be a tough one on Saturday night, playing on the second end of a back to back against the Islanders who were in Winnipeg on Friday, getting ready. 
Um, and, and really, I mean, moving up a weight class, let's be honest. I mean, from many of the teams that they've played so far this season. And I, I said to this to some friends on the weekend talking about the game. Um, you know, I was sitting there with the, with the captain and uh, Islanders score, what I don't know, two, three minutes into the game. Any other team, especially the way the, Jet, the Jets have been scoring goals, it would have been like, hey, you know what, tough. You're down one nothing, but there's a lot of hockey left to be played. I don't know. We, the Jets played about two more minutes after that, and I think we got to the first TV timeout, and I turned over. I said, any other team, I'd be like, oh, tons of hockey. But against this New York Islanders team, I think we know what we're about to see for the next 55 minutes, and that's Barry Trotz and this Islanders team squeezing the life out of the team, squeezing the life out of the building, and allowing pretty much nothing when it comes to high-quality scoring chances. And, you know, I didn't think the Jets played poorly for that matter. I mean, I just think that the Islanders and the way that they were able to bottle up the Jets in the neutral zone and maybe more importantly, in their own zone. I mean, it wasn't like the Jets didn't have a lot of zone time. They did. But that really didn't translate into very much when it came to high-danger scoring chances. I think the number was 15-6 by... um um by a natural stature after the game yes so i mean you know it's great to be spending time in the other team's end and yes that's true you're not going to get scored against when you're in the other team's end but to uh but to beat a goalie like sorokin and a team that's playing as a five-man unit as well as the islanders are um, you need a few things to go your way and you certainly need to generate a little bit more than six and you know the jets weren't able to do that and if anything i think that was a bit of a lesson about what's to come going forward and certainly maybe a nice primer for a huge divisional game tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, I agree. Tomorrow is a, a big game. The Blues have been awesome this year. And, you know, Saturday you're in a tough spot back-to-back. You don't have your goalie. Um, you are playing, a, you know, a top contending team. And maybe you haven't played that caliber team. But, you know, talk about the Jets' first 10 games. We've got to mention, I mean, set a record for the best uh, ten, first 10 games to open the season in franchise history with 14 points. And... I think we can all agree that the Jets haven't even played close to their best hockey. Maybe they got you know a bit lucky in some of those wins, but you can't argue with the results. Um, Saturday's game, yeah, as you mentioned, they got a, you know outchanced in the uh, in the high dangers. Uh, that Eric, you know, the positive Eric Comrie came in, played great, twenty nine of thirty one. But when you can't get to those uh, t- you know key scoring areas close to that, it's going to be tough to put in goals. And we know what kind of team the Islanders are. So I'm, no, I'm not going to get, you know, too bummed. You had, you had eight-game scoring, uh, point-scoring streak for the Jets snapped. I think it was going to come eventually. I mean, that's a tough one to lose. And I've heard some people who went to the game that it was one of the more, uh, you know, boring, uneventful games they've seen. But that's the type of hockey that this team, uh, the Islanders, play, and they're good. And they won't be back here in Winnipeg as they're in the East. But, uh, we, you know, when the Jets head out there, we'll, we'll get another look. But... Um, I agree. I think you can learn a couple lessons. We did have the injuries. I think that was notable in the game. Yes. Uh, Mark Shifley <clears throat> and Paul Stasny, and they were both back on the ice today at practice. And and Hellbuck, you know, did say today that he was, you know, he was ill, but we'll see about him. But yeah, that was. We'll finish up on uh, on Saturday's game. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, as far as the uh, just to wrap up that game, and you know, we you'd mentioned about um, about Comrie. Uh, I, Comrie really kept the Jets in that game. I mean, he made some big, big saves um, early as well. So, I mean, I, I thought that he's playing. And just let's just see his numbers so far this season. Four starts in, 
Hands up who thought that Eric Comrie would be 3-1 and one in his first four starts with a goals against average under 2 and a 9.26 save percentage. Any of you? Anyone? I don't seem to remember that much of that uh, confidence going beforehand. But uh, bottom line, it's a great, great story so far uh, for the season. Um, and as far as the uh, the practice um, today, um, Rima, I, I couldn't. I didn't know whether you said those guys were there or they weren't there, but uh, it doesn't look like they were. I mean, they no. were going Connor Dubois, Svechnikov, Harkins was there with Kopp and Ehlers in Stasny's spot, and Nash was a placeholder on the Lowry, Shifley, Wheeler line. And then you had Bolio and Toninato, who were the extras, and then the three defense pairings. So, um, you know, the coach, and we'll play coach after we talk with uh, with Hammer, um, but that is going to be, uh, you know, those. It, it sounds like those guys will be game-time decisions. So they have not been ruled out already, um, but they do know that Connor Hellebuck is going to be playing, which means, as you mentioned, Veselanen officially recalled Burden going back to the Manitoba Moose. Um, so, uh, you know, if both of those guys are out, though, and unable to play, um, the Moose are on the road right now. I'm not sure whether they're going to bring back someone conditionally or whatnot. And then, of course, you got this whole cap issue right now with who they can bring up at camp as long as these guys are on the roster. So we knew it was going to get a little bit dicey. That's where things are right now as it pertains to the Winnipeg Jets. We'll have an update off from the Jets from, from uh, Maurice, and we'll hear from the new dad, Connor Hellebuck, uh, he spoke after practice as well. He's getting ready to uh, start tomorrow in that big divisional game mm -hmm. against the new or uh, the St. Louis Blues. All right, before we get to uh, Jeff Hamilton, uh, I mentioned it right off the top, but uh, new sponsor alert for Winnipeg Sports Talk, and we are so happy to welcome on board Vita Health Fresh Market. Um, you know, I, I I went down and met the Vita folks. Jeez, uh, what was it last week? I got a chance to go through the stores um, and I went to the new one out at Linden Ridge. Um, just, I mean, an absolutely beautiful spot. I mean, this is a, uh, well, first off, I mean, it's a great local company that's been in business for 85 years, empowering people to lead healthy lives, starting up here in Winnipeg, family owned since 1936. Um, if you're not familiar with Vita Health, check them out. Stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products, all at great prices, and an amazingly knowledgeable staff that are trained on these products. I did go in there, and I was looking at everything, and I'm like, how would I even know what to get? Well, luckily, they've got experts there at a desk. You let them know kind of what you're looking for, or maybe what a medical professional suggested for you, and they'll take you right in there. And that will save you time, and the bottom line, get you some great spot. But if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed uh, local grass fed meats, or even a great grab-and-go deli with Vita Market salads and sandwiches, which I tried last week, they are incredible, this is the store for you. So uh, Vita Health Fresh Market, welcome on board. Folks, check them out if you have it. They now have seven Winnipeg locations, including that newest store, Inland and Ridge. And you can check them online at myvita.ca. And I'll tell you what, while we're talking about healthy and all the great stuff at Vita Health, you know what? Everyone will tell you, you need to stay hydrated as well. I'm hydrating with their friends at Culligan Water, the uh, water experts in Winnipeg for over 60 years. Uh, they've got it all, um, you know, water filters, softeners, bottled water drinking systems, bottled free drinking systems, not to mention water delivery services citywide. And if you do need water services for your business, they've got incredible water products, custom, uh, commercial and industrial for you. So um, you can head on over 
Our friends at uh, the, uh, the the Culligan Gang uh, over on uh, 1200 Sergeant Avenue, you can give them a call at 694-5180 or find out more online at drinkculligan.com. Uh, and uh, I, I have bad news, folks. I was just seeing Rob's Obs on Twitter. The snow is officially coming. We could have our first official buildup after that gorgeous weekend we just had coming up later on this week. And you know what that means? That means colder temperatures around the corner. So if you have not already, check your battery, check your car, get ready for winter. And our friends at Manitoba Battery have you covered. Uh, the Maestro, the Godfather, Ninja, all the boys down at uh, 1026 Logan are ready for you with the best prices on batteries in town. $89.50 picked up at Manitoba Battery with Core Exchange or delivered within city limits, $109.50 with a $15 recycling rebate when the core is returned. Better prices than the bid by big box stores. You save and support local with our friends at Manitoba Battery. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue. And you can also find out more. Give them a call, 783-8787 or online at manitobabattery.com. All right, we're going to hook up with Jeff Hamilton in a couple of minutes. Looking forward to that because um, we're going to kind of do a little double dip with Hammer. We will get to the Jets in the upcoming weekend for the hockey team, but we'll start in with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And um, tell you what, Reem, I know uh, you know people sort of had to go back from uh, from either either were at the game or they were at, at the Bomber game, or they were at the Jets game. There was a lot of catching up on everything afterwards. Um, but I will say, considering what you mentioned about the hockey game and how the Jets sort of got suffocated for a good part of that 60 minutes, um, maybe maybe the play was the Bomber game on Saturday night. Uh, because if there's one thing we can count on right now, it's death taxes and the Bombers bit winning big on home field. Yes, winning big at home field and also not giving up any points in the fourth quarter. Um, yeah, you mentioned the Jets game was kind of, and it was last time they faced off. I was like, yeah, I'll start off with um, the Bomber game because I know it's going to be over before you know in the fourth quarter against Edmonton. And the Jets game, I think, is going to go down to the wire. Well, it's kind of the reverse where the Bombers were the team that had to come back and you thought they were kind of on the ropes. Were they going to lose? And they really pulled it out at the end and a huge interception. Um, to finish it off, but uh, and you know Zach Claire is making case for uh, for MOP has I think um, you know 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks, taking care of the ball. Um, you know, Augustine Oliveira filling in nicely as a tandem for Andrew Harris and Kenny Lawler having you know continuing this breakout season, 111 yards, seven catches, but it was Nick Nick Dembski who had. Uh, the touchdown so it was you know great game uh, i think trevor harris i saw people saying he's now lost like how many times against the bombers this year <laughs> as a member of edmonton and now now montreal but uh, i mean montreal is a pretty good opponent but um you know credit to the bombers for uh, pulling out that win and having an exciting uh, product there on saturday no doubt about it well let's uh let's break down what happened with the bombers on the weekend and uh, then a little look ahead to what's going on with a hockey club well as well as how the bombers are going to handle these last couple of games our buddy jeff hamilton from the winnipeg free press joins us now our busy busy sports weekend uh how are you doing coming into this monday yeah not uh not too bad obviously uh you know it's been a lot going on over the last couple of weeks, um, certainly with the Winnipeg Jets and, and of course, uh, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers continuing to roll um, as well as they have. So it's, yeah, it's busy times. You know, it's good to talk about sports and, uh, you know, focus on, 
you know, maybe things that are right in front of us and not, you know, the rear view mirror. Yeah, uh, yeah, agreed uh, wholeheartedly on that one. Um, and, you know, everyone had to pick whether they were going to go to the football park or they were going to go to the arena downtown on Saturday night. Um, but as I said, coming in, uh, you can pretty much count on if you're going to get a ticket to go to IG Field, you're going to probably be walking out of that stadium pretty happy. Uh, they did it again. Um, but, I mean, your characterization of uh, of the game overall, because, I mean, it wasn't one of these 45 nothing blowouts. I mean, Montreal, to their credit, did hang in. I mean, they defensively took advantage of a bomber miscue with the touchdown going back into the game. And, you know, at one point, they had a seven-point lead on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. But as Remus mentioned, we know what we're getting from this bomber D in the fourth quarter, and that is a fat zero in the box score. And um, they end up winning by 10. Yeah, exactly. I th- I thought that, you know, hanging into this game, I think it was at 11 and a half point favorites for the Bombers. I thought that was a bit high, not because necessarily the Bombers couldn't do that. They didn't, got certainly got close to it. But um, I just felt like just it, it's tough to even even when you, you know, week in and week out are committed like the Bombers have been all season. It's tough to, you know, get up for games that don't mean much in the standings. And so I think we saw a little bit of that. Um, you know, through the first three quarters, certainly it, it, it resembled more of a boxing match as, as this team, as these teams kind of traded punches back and forth. I think there was certainly some things that crept into the game that have been uncharacteristic of the Bombers, whether that be kind of bad penalties and, and not so clean football, um, you know, penalties that either, you know, altered the Bombers possession or extended, um, you know, extended um, Montreal's drive. So those things I think may have been, you know, you, you look at, whether it's Drew Desjardins' kind of roughing penalty after the whistle, um, you know, Atua Eli's offside. I'm, you know, I, I look more towards maybe Drew Desjardins' penalty as something, you know, fighting back or pushing in a game that ultimately meant nothing, whereas you probably aren't going to see that come December 5th when, when, you know, the stakes are certainly higher. But as you mentioned, Hots, I mean, we got into the fourth quarter and the Bombers became the Bombers, you know, outscored the Alouettes 10 nothing. The defense played the way the defense has played pretty much all season, you know, suffocating um, Trevor Harris and the Alouettes offense, big two interceptions to, to, to cap off the game. So, you know, all in all, a bit of a, a bit of a scare for the Bombers, perhaps, and their fans, but um, ultimately the same result that we've seen pretty much all season long. Yeah, uh, there were a couple new faces in the lineup, though. Um, let's talk about Winston Rose. I mean, for folks that maybe watch, were watching the foot, the uh, hockey game and didn't see as much of the Bombers, I mean, how much did he play? Where was he? And what did that mean for the rest of the Bomber uh, bomber defensive unit that's been so good all season? Yeah, so, I mean, it obviously shifted things in the, in the secondary. Um, you know, DeAndre Alford moved um, from the boundary corner, which obviously Winston Rose played in in the 2019 season with the Bombers en route to the Great Cup and played uh, you know fantastically obviously leading the the CFL and in, in interceptions so that kind of moved that it ultimately moved DeAndre Alford over to the field corner which oh. you know led to Mike Jones not being you know off the off the game day roster but you know kind of uh, delegated to the sidelines still available and you know you would have seen Mike Jones I think contribute to a special teams tackle so you know they have him waiting in the wings in the event of an injury so that's a super positive I thought Winston Rose played pretty good for not having been in a game I think for a full calendar year you know he was certainly in shape um the Bombers knew that they wouldn't put him in a position that if he wasn't you know in shape to to go out there um but game shape is a much different thing you know I think he was disappointed on one particular play where he got out muscled um you know fans will recall the play where you know it was called 
offensive pass interference. And then, you know, car, you know, Kahari Jones challenged that and, and ultimately led to just being a kind of a physical play both ways. And Winston Rose being out, uh, you know, out, you know, struggle out man there um, for lack of a better term. But um, ultimately, I mean, they want to get him in soon, obviously, because he obviously knows the, the, uh, the, uh, the, the playbook, but he, they also want to get him, you know, in, in, in a certain you know condition whether that be physically mentally you know all those things in time for the playoffs because we all we all have seen what Winston Rose can do you know he you know he got that opportunity from 2019 to go to the NFL so for him to come back you know you don't want to you don't want to waste time with him you want to put him in get him ready so that when you know December comes and the real football matters that you know he's up to snuff and I think we saw that uh, at least starting um, on Saturday. Any challenges for Alford moving to the other side? I mean, I know he was the, uh, you know, he was there uh, in the vicinity when uh, the Owls did put up one of their, uh, one of their majors. Yeah. You know, he was the cover man there, you know, and whether or not that's growing pains or, you know, from moving to the position or if it's just got beat, I mean, guys are going to get beat for sure. It's, it's been few and far between um, on this Bombers defense, having only allowed three, three receiving or yeah, three, three passing touchdowns um, all season long. But yeah, you know, I mean, I wouldn't put too much stock into it at this point. He also came up with a massive interception Hmm. um, at the end of the game, which I think was his league tying fourth. So um, obviously that bodes well for, for, you know, his ability. And we, we talked about him earlier in the week as, you know, conversations around CFL rookie of the year. He's certainly um, the Bombers rookie of the year, whether or not he'll be able to get the league award, I guess we'll wait and see, but you know, a big part of his success this season has kind of been, um, you know, just kind of getting to the next play, not worrying about the last one. I know Steven Richardson spoke about so highly of him about, you know, particularly that first game of the season, I believe it was, I think he was the guy that got beat on that opening drive by Hamilton and then just, you know, had, steel veins the rest of the way so you know that that's kind of been his mo here he doesn't get down on plays he doesn't overthink maybe mistakes and 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 comes out every play um as best as he possibly can so uh, you know all in all i think deandre alford gets a little bit of a, a pass there um you know as well as this defense that looked like they were getting you know punched a little bit more than they have all season but have been the you know have been pretty much the crutch of this club all season long i'd have a hard time imagining anyone anybody beating him for at least the west nominee i mean maybe i honestly haven't watched all the rookies in the east as much but when you think about this guy coming in in a starting role a starring role all season long in a very important position as part of a defense that's doing historical things Mm-hmm. Um, that's setting the bar pretty high for rookie performance this year. And if anyone's going to beat that, they're going to have to have a very, very special season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I hope I don't butcher his name, but Schaefer Banks or whatever in the the Canadian receiver in, in Saskatchewan. Oh, Schaefer Baker. Yeah. He's been yeah, good. Baker, that's it. I say Banks. It's just, you know, I mean, that just goes to show, you know, like, I mean, he's had some weeks and weeks. So it's a tough spot, right? And he has led their team in receiving yards. So I think he's part of the conversation for sure. At least that's the one that, um, you know, people have been kind of pointing to Joey um, Panks thinks you know, Jordan Williams, time. Jordan Williams in BC, the linebacker will be the West rookie of the year. Not a horrible decision either. I mean, th- those are the things that you kind of need to look out and, and, and really do your homework on, right. Talk to other, other, you know, reporters in other areas and see what, what they've been seeing and then do your homework on it. Right. I mean, I watch most, if not all the games I've definitely seen Schaefer Baker, you know, shake and bake against opposing defenses, make good catches, score touchdowns. So, you know, it, it's a little bit more of a challenging 
Um, you know, you can look at receivers, you'll get yards, you can look at targets and catches, you can look at touchdowns. Obviously, you can look at similar statistics on the defensive side when it comes to interceptions, forced fumbles, um, touchdowns. You know, it's interesting, too, before that last game, I think he had two interceptions um, or three interceptions, one return for a touchdown, a forced fumble. Well, two of those interceptions, including the touchdown and the forced fumble, came in one game for for DeAndre Alford. So, you know, there's certain things you have to look through in, in, in making your decision. And, and uh, ultimately, I mean, all three of those guys are certainly in the conversation. And, and we'll we'll see how it uh, we'll see how it plays out here in the coming weeks. Uh, Sergio Castillo showed up, uh, did have a one miss, but three of four. I mean, uh, overall, I mean, is this the guy that, um, you know, we remember being so uh, good and so reliable for the BC Lions in 2019? Well, I don't know about you, and I, I wouldn't count myself among them, but when he doesn't make that 38-yarder, um, you know, is it a here-we-go-again situation? I don't think so. I mean, it was, you know... Um, lots of things going to miss kicks and, and, and whatever, but, uh, 75% is better than the average that we saw with the other three guys that have kind of taken, have tried for the job this season. And you know that, you know, he's going to be prepared, you know, he's done it in this league. He's got the confidence. Anyone who, who, who watched his interview shortly after being acquired by the bombers, you know, you saw Sergio Castillo that I'm not even hundred percent sure we saw him in his first you know, time around here. So he, you know, he's got the confidence. Obviously that took a major boost when, when he got his opportunity in the NFL with the New York Jets. And um, as far as kicking goes, I just don't see this being an issue for this team anymore. And, and, you know, the, the miss 38 concerning perhaps, but you know, with the game on the line, he hits a 47 yarder that, that helps put things away. I, I was a bit curious with Mike O'Shea, not trotting him out there for the 53 yarder and, and what was a one score game, you know, midway through the fourth, but I don't think he's going to be as hesitant to do those kind of moves, uh, you know, later in the season, if, and when they're required. No, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, so moving out of it, I mean, well, what did Mike O'Shea have to say? How did he characterize uh, uh, another uh, win and another strong fourth quarter? And I'm sure he finished that game feeling a lot better after four quarters than he may have been after three. Yeah, it didn't seem happy at all, actually. After the game, he, you know, kind of talked about that question was brought up and players certainly addressed it and agreed with, you know, you know, maybe a bit of adversity, you know, getting punched in the mouth a couple times after, you know, kind of weeks and weeks of domination here and, you know, double digit leads for the most part and not really trailing in games, you know, players did admit that it was a bit helpful, you know, it kind of gave them they kind of had that fun in game where, you know, it could have gone either way for, for a good stretch there. And um, that certainly I think adds to the resolve of this club. Uh, maybe even, a, I don't want to know if it's a wake up call, but perhaps a reminder that, you know, if you're not playing, you know, you're not minding your P's and Q's and you're not playing clean football, or if you're taking dumb penalties, you know, the game can swing against you. So I think those were all kind of gentle reminders for this team. But as far as Mike O'Shea went, I mean, he didn't like the fact that they were getting punched in the mouth for three, three quarters. So, you know, as much as he obviously in, enjoyed that fourth quarter shutout from his defense and, you know, as, you know, like that his offense was able to, you know, string together back-to-back touchdown drives in the second half when, when they were trailing to put them back up. So, I mean, there are certainly some good things in there, but Mike O'Shea, um, you know, he definitely didn't seem all that happy with, with how things played out. And, um, you know, he'll have his guys ready, uh, you know, for the rest of the season and, and particularly this rematch here on Saturday against the, the Alouette. Well, let's speak about this game upcoming this week, because as we've been talking about, we knew this was coming. I mean, we're going to have a month of games that were insignificant in the big picture, waiting for December 5th to see who they're playing. And, you know, there's that, you know, the... Do you want to just keep your guys healthy and, you know, bubble wrap everyone or not play them? 
or you want to go out and try and not change anything that you've done and go and try to win football games, I would imagine at some point there will be some players that will get a little bit of extra rest. But I guess the question is, considering they're going to have a bye week going into that game, would that game maybe be this weekend against Montreal, or do they wait till Calgary for the final week of the season? It's a great question. Uh, I don't know if we're going to get an answer, you know, immediately this week, just given the fact that the Bombers are opening up the 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 week to close practice. Um, you know, that <laughs> usually directs you towards some kind of, you know, whatever showmanship, if you will. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've kind of been advocating, I was advocating for weeks there that perhaps they, you know, take this game, this, this second last game off. And depending on where Calgary was in the, when I say off, I mean, you can't rest everybody, but there are some key players, you know, like Zach Claros who probably doesn't need to play all four quarters and, and, you know, whatever, and, and, and giving Sean McGuire an opportunity to get into a game and, and start, you know, getting some of that experience. I mean, I think he's attempted five throws this season or maybe perhaps his whole career. So, um, you know, to get him more reps, um, with the offense, you know, in the event that Claros does get injured or needs to come out of the game, you know, you have a bit more confidence and and he has a bit more confidence in what he can do. Um, but but at the same time, you know, I was also thinking that maybe Calgary would have have a, a game to play for in that final game. And if the Bombers, I mean, we were talking about it, Huss, if the Bombers were to kind of let take their foot off the gas and 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 rest a bunch of guys against the St. Peters and then they are not, end up getting a, a home playoff game again, against Saskatchewan and then, then then come to Winnipeg if they win that one it could spell trouble like we saw you know years ago um so I mean at the same time I think you got to be careful you know Mike O'Shea has kind of a history of of playing these guys for games that that, that are already out of reach in his favor so we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see what happens but you have to think you know despite having that first uh first round playoff by that, you know, there are going to be guys that get rest. And at this point in the season, you hear it from every club that, you know, guys are banged up. No one's 100%. So anybody who could, you know, who could certainly, um, you know, use the week off, uh, I imagine will get that in the next coming weeks here. Now, granted, I might be more preoccupied with this CFL passing leader because I have a 13 to 1 prop bet on Caleros from the start of the year. He does have 170 yards, 169 yard lead on Mike Riley. Uh, it's important to me. Do you think it's important to Caleros, Mike O'Shea, or anybody in that Bomber locker room that Zach Caleros get those numbers that really will be insignificant other than, you know, potentially some sort of a contract bonus? I mean, that that, that is, I, I guess, a possibility. But, um, I mean, those sort of things. Willie Jefferson said on the show a couple weeks ago today that, you know, hey, he wants to keep playing. He'd love to lead the league in sacks. There are some things. I mean, that 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 yin the yang weighing those things is important. But I mean, specifically about the quarterback, um, do you think that that is at all on the minds of uh, anybody in the decision making brain trust? <laughs> I try not to laugh during that while well, you're asking that question because you know I, I don't know how maybe things change at the fact that you have a prop bet, but uh, you know <laughs> I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, there's obviously guys in that locker room that would love to lead the league. You know, they'd love to, you know, whether it's Willie Jefferson and Stacks, whether it's, you know, um, obviously Zach Claris leading the league in, in, in passing yards, all those things. I'm sure there's some personal pride there in, in achievement. But the one overwhelming thing that we've seen from this club really for, for the last couple, you know, including 2019 and this season as well, as there's a lot of the same leaders and a lot of the same players on the, on the roster, it's all about winning the great cup. So, you know, it, you know, they're not going to be trotting guys out for first. In fact, I don't even think 
Mike O'Shea is going to have a have a hot clue about who's on the verge of what. I, you know, I know there was, you know, you look back a couple of years, maybe it was 2019. Um, maybe it was the year before that uh, with, I think it might've been the year before that 2018 where, where, uh, you know, Harris had a, you know, Harris, I think was in a race he ended up obviously winning the rushing title, but I think there was some concern going into the final game and, and, you know, whatever. And, 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 and he didn't get the opportunities. I, again, he still ended up leading the league in rushing, but um, yeah, like those things aren't taken into consideration. It's all about what you can do. Uh, it's, it's all about what, you know, what it's all about the playoffs. It's all about repeating. And so, you know, even those guys, it, it's interesting to hear guys talk because they all do want to play. I mean, I thought it was really interesting too. When you, when you consider that not only did they not get to play in 2020, this is also a short and regular season, right? They, they're used to playing 18 games and this is 14 games. So, you know, you take that into consideration and yeah, it's less football regardless if they play, but obviously injuries are a massive thing. I, I can say this, the Bombers didn't suffer any, you know, massive injuries or any significant injuries at all this past week. So maybe that's a reminder of how good things are, um, you know, for them and, and not to test that luck. But uh, players will always say they want to play. Ultimately, it will come down to the coach. It'll be a fascinating two weeks here to see what uh, Mike O'Shea does with his guys and ensures that they're healthy heading into that December 5th final uh, here at IG Field. Chris Vermette's in the chat suggesting that it was possibly me that was jamming Mike Riley's headset, trying to keep the communication, the numbers down for Mike Riley. Uh, man, they've lost six in a row since being four and two, Jeff. Um, you know, pumped by Hamilton on the weekend. Um, I mean, I, essentially, we can stick a fork in the BC Lions right now. I know they're not officially, officially out, but um, you'd imagine Calgary just needs to get a win at some point or a BC loss. And then we're going to have Calgary and mm-hmm. Saskatchewan going forward. But Saskatchewan with a big win. I mean, no Picasso. They only put up 19 points again. I know Ryder fans are a little concerned about that lack of uh, a really prolific offense um but i'll tell you what it'll that i mean let's face it it looks like it's going to be calgary saskatchewan in that west semi and that's a really really intriguing matchup for a couple teams that have played each other very close in their three uh, head-to-head battles this year yeah absolutely just one one comment about the bc lions i mean things took uh took a turn for the worse ultimately after they played the bombers you know oh. at home that 30 to 3 we loss killed them. um that kind of took the air out of their sails and and yeah absolutely i mean rick campbell players were talking about how you know this was a big week for them not that they were talking like they were going to win games but they talked about you know a bye week in between the bombers and the rough riders and how gaining momentum through that could propel them well it did the exact opposite with losses and and now i mean you know whether it's the headset fiasco i wouldn't put it past you has to call in your uh, your favors <laughs> on that but um but at the same Great time idea. i mean it's just it's just been bad football it's just been bad execution it's been you know and you start looking at that team and seeing Mike Riley's massive paycheck and you wonder where, you know, in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars could be spent in other areas. And you start you know, seeing, okay, this team might have some star power on offense, but they're, they're missing key contributors, um, you know, in the trenches, whether it be on the D line or offensive line. And that, you know, this team is still very much not the club that I think maybe some expected them, but, you know, look at Saskatchewan. I think it's, you know, we were asking these questions seemingly every week, like who's the second best team to the Bombers, you know, and, and, and you're finding reasons to Bombers practice arguments to get pretty much. I mean, they're <laughs> practice raw. It's just, you're finding reasons not to put, you know, teams up there, whether it's Toronto, you know, you know, eking out a, a victory over the Ottawa Red Blacks this weekend, or it's it's Saskatchewan defense allowing what 205 passing yards, I think it was in the fourth quarter to, you know, narrowly edge out their victory. 
you know, against Edmonton, you know, so it's, you know, you look at the other teams in the league, Calgary, I mean, everyone's kind of talking a little bit higher about Calgary, but I'll, I'll remind, you know, viewers that they have yet to be over 500 this season. So it's just like, you know, everything just seems to be in a completely, it's just been, seems to be consistent in, in, in a way throughout the season where you have the Winnipeg Blue Bombers up at the top. You got the Edmonton Elks and, and Ottawa Red Blacks in the basement. And then you just have a bunch of teams that we're trying to figure out who and what they are and, and whatnot. But we, but we've also seen in the past, doesn't really matter what your record says, you know, it, it comes down to, to one game in the playoffs. And, you know, if you can find your best game, for that 60 minutes, anything can happen. But at this point, if you're a Bombers fan, I mean, you got to be pretty comfortable with the team that will, whether it's Kerry or Saskatchewan, welcome them into a barn that they're 18 and one um, just have been dominating this season. And you know, when the stakes are at their highest, this team seems to, to find that, uh, that find that next level. So um, you got to think bombers are bust here. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll tell you what the team that I think, I mean, if I was doing my own personal power poll right now, bombers gap, um, but then number two, I think for me right now is the Hamilton tiger cats. I mean, they've won three in a row. They're looking good. I bet I guess we're going to find out on Friday night because that's a huge game. First place in the East on the line. Toronto, who just barely got past Ottawa on the weekend, taking on Hamilton. And I wouldn't at all be surprised at that team. Although, I guess Montreal at 6-6 six and six, still very much live, especially if Trevor Harris can get, you know, feeling pretty comfortable over these final couple of games uh, with his receivers. Of course, Bombers, uh, Alouettes in Montreal this weekend and the big game for first place in the East is between Toronto and Hamilton. Let's pivot over to the uh, local hockey hockey club. Uh, a pretty interesting weekend. We talked about it quite a bit in the first hour of the program, uh, first half hour of the show, Jeff. Um, I mean, a, a Blackhawks team that just came in and literally skated around with white towels. I mean, a disgraceful performance that, you know, looked like they were trying to get their coach fired and mission accomplished. Culleton is out. But Saturday... Um, a real and some would say a litmus test going up against a team. Like if you envision yourself as a Stanley Cup contender that can play against any team in the league, and Barry Trotz himself said the Winnipeg Jets absolutely are one of those teams. Um, there's probably some mm -hmm. lessons to be learned from giving up an early goal and then getting suffocated for 55 minutes by uh, arguably the best defensive team in hockey. Well, yeah, and I mean, whether you want to call it a measuring stick game, I still think, you know, with the Jets, it's early in the season, you know what, 11, 11 games in now or, or, or whatever it is. It's not a lot, you know, they've been, they've put in new systems in all, you know, in all zones and all situations. So there's going to be some growing pains there. It's hard to ignore, you know, the fact that they have lost to, you know, like the Islanders and have, you know, they, they got lost to Minnesota wild. Obviously that was a, a really exciting game to watch and, and ultimately lost in the extra time. But you know, to me, it's, it's, you know, I, and it's not overly concerning by any stretch, but it, it is not at the same time, all that convincing. And so you look at kind of some of their hockey and you look at, you know, whether it was the, the slow start or, or the, you know, the five out of six points on that California swing, um, you know, and then you look at the Islanders game and, and it's like, okay, this is the kind of team that is going to let you play in their, in, in, in their, um, you know, their defensive zone, obviously the Jets offensive zone and be pretty comfortable there. And I think what we saw, I mean, you and I were talking off mic before, for the show, um, about who's the worst team to get scored on that early in a game and then to sit on a lead, it, it's the Islanders. So, you know, we saw pretty much what we expected 
from the Islanders in this one and, and why they'll, why they've been and will be, you know, a team to, you know, a team to reckon with here uh, as the season moves on. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I look at the Jets home stretch here, obviously St. Louis is going to be a big test coming up. Um, they look like that, you know, they've also had to deal with some, some tough, tough things, whether that's, you know, not having Connor Hellebuck for a bit, clearly not having, you know, Blake Wheeler and, and Mark Shifley um, for a spell there. And, and so, you know, they've had to deal with their fair share of adversity early on this season. So, you know, whether or not you want to give them a pass or, or, you know, you feel like there's, you know, maybe some underlying issues that are concerning, you know, I, I, I'd be interested to see what this next 10 game stretch looks like and, you know, whether it can be six, two and two, like the first 10 or better or worse, I think we're going to have a better idea of what this team is about as they, you know, continue the seven game homestand. Um, and you know what, maybe we'll get some of those answers, but at this point, at least I'm willing to kind of, you know, pull off, maybe pull off the gas on, on suggesting that this team isn't going to be any good or, or this team is, you know, struggling when, you know, you look at other teams around the league, whether it be Tampa or, or Colorado, you know, it's not exactly like the season's been necessarily gone for everybody um, or for those teams as well. So, I mean, we'll see what happens, but this is certainly, I think this, this next month here is certainly a big, uh, you know, measurement when you take it as a collective sample um, and we'll see where the jets are. Well, for sure. And you know, you losing at home on ice, uh, you know, on home ice on Saturday, you'd love to get back in the wind column. And I mean, this week, when we look at the rest of this homestand, which by the way, is the longest homestand of the year for the Winnipeg jets. So you really would like to utilize that to put yourself in a good position going forward. Um, you got this game tomorrow against the St. Louis Blues, and the Blues are a team. I don't know what, whether I'm surprised or just this. I mean, I realize there was a number of possibilities for St. Louis coming out of the gate, and this is one of them. But they've looked really good so far this year. I mean, they're right there with the Jets and Wild at the top of the uh, the division, and. I mean, the Minnesota and Nashville games had some real bite to them when it came to, you know, that central division feeling. Chicago didn't bring any of that on Friday night. But I would imagine this this game tomorrow, Jeff, um, even more so than the games against the Sharks and Kings later on this week is going to be, uh, put it this way, if I was going to go to one of the three games, I think Tuesday's game is the game that I would be at because um, I'm interested to see how the Jets, you know, bounce back personally from, you know, a frustrating night at the office on Saturday. Um, but also to see, you know, a, a good divisional game between two of the teams towards the top of the central going at it on, uh, going at it tomorrow, of course, with Connor Hellebuck returning to the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, Barry Trotz might've named, you know, the Jets Stanley cup contenders this season. And, and by all means, you know, the Jets very much, will prove, I, I imagine, to, to be that or to earn that title. But you look at what St. Louis has been doing. They've been showing us, you know, and, and um, they are going to be a stiff test. Obviously, you know, being, you know, being divisional teams and being, you know, conference teams. I mean, this is a team that you you, you kind of set yourself up against. And, and I think you make a good point, Huss, in that you want kind of, you want the answers, right? I mean, you, you, you want to see what the answer back is from a tough performance. You know, th- those are big tests, you know, whether you want to call them terror character tests, integrity tests, whatever that is. Um, at the end of the day, this is a, a great club. They, they, they play a, you know, a tough game. They play a skilled game as well. So they are a good match for the Jets. And I think we, you know, I think we've seen more of the Jets, whether it's playing down or playing up to, to their opponent, it'll be interesting to see if they can, you know, 
figure out some of their style because we know that St. Louis is a, a very good defensive team and, and we know that the Winnipeg Jets, a big part of this, you know, in, instituting new systems includes activating their defensemen and requiring their forwards to back them up. So, you know, we've seen that, we've seen that cost them in these games, particularly, you know, against the California teams at points. I don't know if you're going to be able to get away with some of the, you know, late game heroics that we saw in those games against a team like St. Louis. So you want to talk about measuring sticks, um, you know, as, as was the case with, with the Islanders, I think you're going to have a similar situation here with, with the blues. And I always say this about these kind of games is that, you know, you have the opportunity to really put some goodwill in the bank. You know, I mean, the, the Jets should be looking at this, you know, this, this game as an opportunity to, to show other teams in the league that, yeah, I mean, we haven't necessarily been playing our best hockey, but, you know, push comes to shove in our own arena. You know, we're, 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 we're a team to, uh, you know, take, you know, a team that deserves a ton of respect and a victory over St. Louis, given what they've done this season would do just that. You know, uh, Hammer, while we're talking Jets, um, coming out of the weekend, I think we've got to talk about Eric Comrie. I mean, he started both games back to back, four games now into this season. He's three and one on the year. Got a 198 goals against average, a 926 save percentage. And and justifiably so, I think there were a lot of questions as to how Eric Conley would handle the responsibility of being that number two goalie with the pressure that comes along with it. And that's before anyone, you know, thought that not only would Connor Hellebuck miss a game due to the birth of his child, but get sick and be out for a couple games. Um, you know, big picture, this has been a great start, a confidence-building start for Comrie, I think, with the fan base, but most importantly, his head coach and the team. And I mean, I did say before we judge him, like, let's give the guy 10, 15 games and see how things are going. But I'll tell you what, so far, so good for a young man that's pretty easy to pull for, considering the way he's handled himself throughout the years here as part of this organization. Yeah, I mean, Eric Comrie was great for him to get those early victories. You could make the argument that, you know, his best game was against the Islanders, Um, you know, he's played consistent. I mean, he's played the way he expects himself to play. I mean, there's so many elements that even just with your, you know, the way you introduced your question that you can touch upon. I mean, this guy has a ton of respect from his teammates um, based on his personality, the man that he is, and also, you know, very much so because of the work ethic he puts forth um, for his craft. I mean, you want to look at his experience. I mean, he, he has never played three games in a row at the NHL level. So it's, it's, you know, you look at what he's been able to accomplish What you know, and then this isn't a shot, but what little he's been able to accomplish. And you kind of, you kind of think about at this level, that is, you kind of think about a bit of his history and his inability to get in for games consistently, his inability to, you know, get the ideal setting to play games as, you know, I, I, as I, as I mentioned, kind of, um, you know, before in other interviews here, I mean, this is a guy that you looked at his game in LA and it was an opportunity to kind of get the start, not on the second of a back-to-back. He was able to get, to, you know, he was told he was a starter. He was able to prepare the practice before, you know, do his game day routine. Things that aren't always afforded to the number two goaltender um, where games are more often than not in those situations where you're the second of back to back, you usually get, you know, into whatever city you get into uh, super, you know, early in the morning. And then, you know, your whole day is kind of thrown off. We, we, we know how, you know, these guys are, are creatures of routine. And so for him to be able to get this opportunity, I think is going to be massive for his confidence, for the team's confidence. 
um, and you know specifically for his confidence because he's going to be able to feel like the guy or had been able to feel like the guy over a longer stretch than he's ever felt in his in his professional you know NHL career. And so to, to, for him to put forth some of that effort and and and, and get some of those wins uh, is a is a massive piece for a guy like you said. I mean, it's imp- you know there's there's guys that are easy to cheer for just given you know who they are and how they conduct themselves and and you know all those things. And, and Eric Comrie is certainly one of them. So as far as what he's been able to do, it's great that uh, he's offering not just uh, confidence for his teammates but for fans, you know, and media, many of whom kind of came forward this season making predictions that he wouldn't even be in the you know the lineup you know, by midway mark of the season. So good for Eric Comrie. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and obviously it's big for the hockey team. I mean, those points that the Jets have earned with him in the net are, um, you know, are significant right now to their standing right now in the central division going into this head-to-head game tomorrow with the St. Louis Blues. You know, after this week, the team does finish up a week tomorrow. You'll get the Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl coming here and then a rematch between the two teams two days later in Edmonton. I joke that, you know, we're still hanging on to the the glory of finally sweeping Edmonton in the playoffs. Um, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves, hard to not to get excited about those two games in three days with the team that is um, must-see TV right now, Hammer. Yeah, I mean, Edmonton's living up to their billing, right? I mean, it's, it's uh, you know, big expectations on them last season, big expectations on them this season. Obviously, you see those, you know, Connor McDavid is taking it to the next level when you didn't think there was a next level for him to get to. And, you know, he finds it. So, I mean, they're just playing great, great hockey. I mean, all around hockey in all phases. So um, they're certainly going to be dangerous. I mean, I guess the Jets have that history to lean on that they, you know, swept them and and whatnot. But, uh, you know, those will be crucial games. I'll be in the Edmonton game. I won't be covering the, uh, the, that home game, but I'll be in Edmonton for that, for that back-to-back. So should be exciting Exciting two games for them and what will, you know, like we've been talking about, should, you know, will be a big month for this team. And um, to get those, you know, to get to get games against that kind of level of competition or against those teams that are that are are, you know, playing for real, if you will, um, this early in the season. You know, it will be interesting to see how the Jets react and um, certainly against a team that they they've come to know quite well over the last you know calendar calendar year. Hey, one more for you, Hammer. Always great to have you on the program, folks. If you're not following already, please do so at Jeff K. Hamilton. You could read all of his uh, work covering both the Jets and the Bombers in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. I will admit, I was somewhat skeptical of the 7-11 formation the Jets had been using, but I understood at the beginning it was really born out of necessity. There are cap issues that are above my pay grade right now on a day-to-day basis, but, I mean, every dollar's been important. They haven't had the ability to add guys. And to be honest, this is a results-based business. As much as people are, many people in this market are always looking for a reason to stick it to Paul Maurice, they've been winning these hockey games and it has given, you know, some interesting looks, especially with forwards like Dubois and Connor and Ehlers getting some extra shifts. I mean, it is... Can you see a possibility that this is actually the way they go forward? I mean, assuming people are healthy, maybe they don't have these cap considerations, or um, is this going to be something that, you know, they use right now out of necessity, but, you know, in a couple weeks or whenever guys are healthy and they have a little bit better handle of uh, the dollars in and out, uh, that we go back to a, a more traditional 12 and 6 setup? I have no idea, you know, how long <laughs> they plan to use it, but I will say this you're starting to get the feeling beginning in, you know, by the end of the California swing, 
that Paul Maurice likes it. You know what I mean? And he, and he, and he's seen some of the, you know, as he uses it more and more, he's seen some of the, the, you know, the possibilities that he's afforded that are, you know, against the, the traditional 12 and six. Now, you know, I think it, I think it will matter like how they play. And if, you know, they don't play that well here with 11 and seven over this home stretch, because you know, they're going to use it for, for the foreseeable future here. Um, that might determine things. I think, you know, I, I asked him before I, you know, I tried to be a mind reader a little bit and felt like it was a bit like playing, you know, checkers with 12 and six and chess with 11 and seven, because you're a little bit more active. You have a little bit more control as a, as a head coach on inserting guys, you know, in different places or, or recognizing maybe a guy isn't playing up to snuff or isn't, you know, it, that chemistry isn't brewing or, or whatever you want to you know classify it as. I do find it interesting that you know he he has stuck on too long. It certainly is a cap cap thing. Um, but I also find it interesting that like this is a team that never really under a coach that never really plays his fourth line. And how do you eliminate you know that concern of play, not playing your fourth line? Don't have a fourth line essentially. And so um, that kind of seemed fitting to me a little bit. Whether or not I don't know. I people have asked me, do I agree with it? Do I you know do I want to see them go back to twelve and six? Like I never really make these decisions. No one cares. Um, what I have to say as far as lineups and, and, and whatnot. So like, I mean, this is the reality that the Jets have. This is the reality that they have under the under their current cap salary cap restrictions. And, you know, for the most part, they've been they've been able to gut out wins under this process. I just I don't know what the long term success will look like. There's a reason why teams don't play 11 and seven, um, I'm assuming. But hey, you know what, if this works for the Winnipeg Jets and um, maybe more teams end up doing. We know how big of a copycat league this can be. And uh, under the current under the current conditions, um, it looks like the Jets have been able to to get through it under this this uh, current yeah. setup. One bird in the chat says, "We'll play ten and eight, and you, you have room for Billy." <laughs> oh right yeah, <laughs> just play just nine, nine and <laughs> nine and nine, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, nine, just go nine and nine, play your top three lines, and you know, and. Whatever, yeah. No, hey, just on the way out, just on the way out, many YouTube viewers commenting on the very well-dressed dog in the background um, um, and said that maybe oh, you yeah, didn't yeah, get yeah. the memo about the dress code today that the dog certainly did. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, someone needs to dress up. Someone needs to uh, deserve the commenter's respect. And if it's not me, then perhaps it's the uh, Dalmatian with the classy getup behind me. So, um, you know how I appreciate the, 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 the commenters, whether they like me or don't like me. It's, uh, it's always important. They're important. So, yeah, if they think the dog deserves the, uh, the credit today and, I, you know, I missed the memo, absolutely <laughs> correct. This is also day 15 straight of work for me. So, you know, in, enjoy the fact you're watching t- YouTube during the day. <laughs> both the, uh, both the um, uh, week coming up, are you doing uh, Bombers, Jets, a little bit of both? A little bit of both, yeah. I'm on Jets, I think, Wednesday. I'm certainly covering Thursday night's game. And then I fly to Montreal Friday morning, spend a few days there. Going to be in Ottawa for a few days, seeing family and friends. And then uh, fly to Edmonton, cover that two-game two stretch, and then come back and probably cover Bombers. So Perfect. Like well, I'll look forward to catching up, whether you're uh, in all of your uh, gallivanting around the wonderful country that we're in right now. We'll look forward to doing it again. Thanks so much, pal. Always love uh, these chats. And we'll do it again next week. Thanks, guys. Always appreciate you having me on. Right on. There he is, Jeff Hamilton, at Jeff K. Hamilton on Twitter. And, of course, you can read his work in the pages of the Winnipeg Free Press. We will hear in just a moment from Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice. And uh, the new dad, Connor Hellebuck, spoke today along with Kyle Connor, who's had just an incredible start to the season. We'll hear uh, a little bit from those gentlemen as well. Uh, Before we do that, though, 
A big shout out to our friends at Royal Sports. Got a number of emails and texts and tweets over the last uh, week or so of people. I ain't really fired up for December 5th. Uh, great selection of bomber gear down at Royal Sports. And of course, everything as well for another big weekend of Jets hockey down at Canada Life Centre. Um, a one stop is all you need for literally everything when it comes to sports, streetwear, and equipment is Royal Sports. They've been the undisputed heavyweight kings of all things hockey for over 35 years in this city and have the greatest selection of licensed merchandise from the NHL, NFL, CFL, NBA, MLB, whatever you need. They've got it over at Royal Sports. Visit them at 750 Pembina Highway and follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina. Uh, but our friends at Not Auto Corp are getting ready for this bomber push. Uh, I know Trev, a big supporter of the Blue Bombers, but was unable to beat the game of the weekend because he was down at a uh, pretty incredible car show down in Vegas. I got a video of Tesla's underground tunnels in Las Vegas. Did not even know that they existed. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll get some more info on that for you listeners. But in the meantime, if you're looking for a vehicle, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Knot team, as well as everything they're doing at the new Winnipeg Car Lab. Visit them in person at Waverly and McGilvery, or you can see them online at knot.ca. And uh, I will admit, I had a few 1919s on the weekend. Man, I love that beer. But I also love the double and the new flavors out in the Little Brown Jug Winter Variety Pack, which uh, the arrival of snow just around the corner, potentially later on this week, may be a good time to make an online order at littlebrownjug.ca and get it delivered right to your home. Or, of course, you can grab it at your favorite local bottle shop in and around the city. Uh, and don't forget, with the holidays coming up, you might be looking for a great spot for a gathering, a party, maybe for the office or holidays, bachelorette, bachelor party. Little Brown Jug's the place to do it. Check the events page. There's a link to find out more about booking an event over at Little Brown Jug. Just an amazing facility on William Avenue. All right, we will get to a little curling report with our friends at Princess Auto later on today on the program. Uh, but coming off our conversation on the Jets with Jeff Hamilton, let's get the today's update from Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice, who spoke about the absence of Mark Shifley and Paul Stastny, the return of Connor Hellebuck, and a look ahead to tomorrow's divisional battle at home against the St. Louis Blues. Here is Jets head coach Paul Maurice. Status. Yeah, we'll check on both of them. We'll rule them out um, for tomorrow. We'll give them a morning skate or see if they feel they may get healing over 24 hours. If they continue that, it's possible. We'll see. Won't know until tomorrow. Would you be in a position where you could call up someone? Yeah. Okay. And is Nikolai Ehlers, is he okay? He didn't seem to Yeah, just things started to tighten up there at the end of practice, so we expect him to be fine tomorrow. Looks like Burton will be reassigned to, or yeah, I'll let Chevy do that. Yeah, I just, we conversations haven't happened yet, so we we would talk to these people first. Well, when you went and looked at the video from, uh, was it today? Today, the game two days ago. Um, yeah. What what did you? It, it looked like. I mean, you look at everything, and from that game, the attempts, scoring chances, all that, it was, it was fairly even. You just. Seemed like you didn't take, like, what did you, what was missing? Walked away from that game thinking if you're going to lose a game, you could have it look like that and not be too concerned. Um, 
so all we did with that game is took video from overarching themes that we're trying to be really good at, found the places that we weren't and dealt with those. So we've got two or three things we're trying to get better at. The idea of the first goal would be one of them. Um, if you're going to get aggressive with the numbers that you put low, then you need to make sure you got that slot covered off, and that was the first goal. Uh, and then some things we talked about, you know, some things that change in the game on back-to-back -back nights. A little, a little quieter on the bench, a little quieter on the ice. So there's some communication plays. One with, you know, a few of them were with our goalie um, on puck handoffs and things like that. So we tried to deal with things that are part of our game going, but we also got two more uh, sets of back-to-backs coming up this month. There's probably three places on our schedule where we say this is a real tough stretch. So one of them is coming at the end of this month, the last two weeks. Um, the opportunity that we have to go out east, come back, play a game, and go out east on back-to-back in -back uh, April will be another one of them. And then there's one more, I think, the end of January, where we want to – there are times you have to slightly modify your game on back-to-back -back or in heavy schedules, and that's what we talked about. So we tried to use it. You're not walking away from saying there's a real problem in your game that's been consistent all year. You know, you want to take your the things that you were 7 out of 10 good, you want to get it to 8 and 9 out of 10. So that, that, that's what we use that game for. I don't want to get into the minutiae of that one goal, the first goal that was allowed in, but would you expect Blake or Mark at that point to see that there was nobody there and, and Pionk kind of looking behind the net and sort of being behind the net at the time? Like, do you, or is that something that we see above that maybe they are not seeing on the ice? So that's, a, that's a piece, and it generates that. First, we, we think we're getting first touch on that puck, and we do. So that's, that's the constant battle of going from breakout position to D-zone coverage position, right? And if we're touching the first puck, we want to break. So Mark's up ice on that one. He's late. Blake comes back, and then is, there's almost three times where we touch that puck, and he's expecting that puck on the last one to come out to his side, right? So we've got a big hole. So we're late on that. There's a risk in, in you can go back and, and go almost pure man-to-man, -man, so you leave somebody out net front and you stay it, and then they're getting zone time on those, which, which is fine. It, it's just you get stuck in a gray area, right? So it's really obvious when we're touching the puck that you go to a breakout position, and it's really obvious when they're touching the puck first, then you go to D-zone coverage positioning, and they're, they're different positions. And then on that spectrum, there's going to be some in and out. So we have a way that we're going to try to handle. So instead of saying 50-50 on that, we're trying to handle more of them in the one idea that we would be going. Um, anyway, we're, we're just trying to – cheat's not the right word. We're trying to do the same thing more predictably with what we do with that puck, and we're late on it. Paul, if the style of the Chicago game wasn't the ideal precursor for the Isles, would this game against the Islanders be very beneficial now for tomorrow? That's, that's fair in that you'll, you're going to get a team then that does what Chicago does well and what the Islanders do well in one package. You know, off their game last night, right, like um, they, they attack like Chicago does. They'll get four in off the rush and they'll make plays. And they'll strip pucks and they got good sticks and they'll play with some quickness. And then there would be more defensively structured, not in terms of systems, but just personnel. You know, they got some veteran guys back there, and they're going to be a pretty heavy defensive team. They're going to they're going to play hard on the defensive side of the puck. So a bit of a hybrid between the two. Well, this is new for Connor, obviously being a dad. You know, sleep deficit, all these things. You're always monitoring his energy level. What things do you look for now as he wants to get back to that workhorse mentality? I, I, I you know, when 
you guys wouldn't know this because you're all fitness buffs, but you know guys like me who don't work out for a while and then you go have a workout, you want to see how you feel. You know, it's not how you feel that day, man. It's how you feel the next day. So we'll let him get his workout, professional athlete. We're pretty sure he's going to feel good tomorrow, and if you feel good tomorrow, then we're going to want to get him back in the net. Even if he's not at that 100%, he needs to get back in the net to get to that. Those guys have to play games to get feeling really good. So as long as he doesn't feel like I do after my one workout a month, um, we'll give him a good consideration for the game. If you have to go with the line combinations that you did today, depending on what happens with Mark and Paul, um, the decision to have Riley skate in the middle as opposed to Adam, is it just continuity? or That was a higher expectation maybe that Mark will be back, and I give Adam more time on the left wing. I know he can play center. He can go into the middle, but we put Riley there, and Riley's a right-hand shot. Uh, so on, we, we did a lot of uh, just day off up and down the ice stuff. That makes it consistent. So Wheeler's going to see a left hand, you know, a backhand pass, and that forehand comes over. That's, that's all. If Mark is unable, well, to... if I knew for sure Mark was out, I'd have put I'd have put uh, Laos back in the middle. I might even have played with those top two lines a little bit and come up with a different configuration. So I, I didn't make a lot of changes because I'm hopeful for both these guys, maybe one, maybe two, uh, in or out. But uh, I didn't play with the lines too too much. But I might if if we got here tomorrow morning and neither of those guys are out, you'll see a different setup. All right, there's head coach Paul Maurice from uh, just in the last hour or so down at Canada Life Centre after practice. Um, yeah, no Mark Shifley today, no Paul Stastny. They were both hurt uh, by a hit on Adam Pellick on Shifley on Saturday night. Paul Stastny took a shot to the foot. Um, but as we mentioned, I think Kenny pointed this out, um, tweeting from practice. The fact that Nash was in the middle, ostensibly in Shifley's spot on that Lowry-Wheeler line, I think gave a pretty good indication that they are quite optimistic that Chifley will be in the lineup tomorrow. Um, and the coach basically echoed that. Nikolai Ehlers, by the way, did leave practice early today. Uh, but the coach said uh, that tightened up near the end of practice and uh, too early to rule out, but doesn't think that it's an issue coming up for tomorrow. We're going to hear from Connor Hellebuck and, and Kyle Connor for a couple minutes right away. As heading into that, do want to thank Boston Pizza for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Big Monday nighter tonight, certainly for the Pittsburgh Steelers, considering what's happening in the AFC North right now. Um, you know where a great spot for Monday night football is. Your local Boston pizza, ice cold schooners, great pizza, Boston's wings, and the big game on with the big sound. And of course, they've got some great promos. If you're ever looking to watch a Jets game and not go to it, um, the pick a player, very popular at Boston pizzas around the city as well. Of course, if you're staying home tonight, why don't you make it a uh, dine-in night at home and you can order delivery at bostonpizza.com. Uh, big shout out to our friends, the Nick and Nikki DQ group, and to our winners from Friday's Big Marble Race. A lot of people are excited about those DQ cakes, and I've gotten a lot of feedback from St. Vital people fired up that the DQ on St. Anne's is not closing for the winter. Nick and Nikki, you're keeping it open all year long, and all the great stuff from DQ will be available on Skip and Uber Eats and DoorDash as well. Um, four locations in Winnipeg from the Nick and Nikki group, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ St. Anne's, as well as the DQ over at Polo Park. And if you'd like to order a cake in advance, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. We'll get it all set up for you. Quick and easy, ready to pick up at your local Nick and Nikki DQ location. And uh, speaking of the marble race on Friday, 
uh, an epic, epic one. Uh, the video card worked. It looked better than ever, as did our winners did. Um, congratulations to Paul from North Dakota, actually, who won the uh, the uh, the sweater. And of course, it was Leslie that came in and uh, won the um, the Rye Love Rye package and popped by on her way down to Confusion Corner and grabbed it on the weekend. They were all set for a big, big Saturday. Big thanks to Canadian Club. By the way, that Canadian Club Reserve 44, we had that bottle of 42 we did. Uh, P. Sambo won it a few months ago. Uh, that's coming out as well. Find out more on Instagram at Canadian Club. But you can pick up the Great Taste of CC at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and, of course, at every Winnipeg Blue Bombers game over at IG Field. We'll get to the Princess Auto Curling Report. Big, big weekend for a few of the Manitobans on the weekend at the Pinty's Grand Slam of Curling Boost Classic. Uh, but first, let's continue talking Winnipeg Jets and hear for the first time from the new dad. Connor Hellebuck spoke after practice today along with Jets scoring star Kyle Connor. Here are the guys from earlier today. How are the first uh, days of fatherhood? How they treated you? They've been all right. I mean, I got sick, so I had to stay away from them for a bit. But yesterday was my first full day with everyone, and the baby slept great last night. So, so far, easy. Kind of weird to be sick in this now, and not obviously not have COVID, but just not be able to play, which you normally probably would do. There's no way I could have played through what I had. Um, it was definitely definitely strange. I don't know how I got it, but. It is what it is. What do you think of Eric? Then, when I'm sure you watched. And what did you see from the him? beginning of the year? He's he's played great, and I thought he was ready from from the start. So um, he's a battler, and he handles the the crease well. Bonner, when you're just in the groove, and now I don't know whether we should say out of the groove, but with this, would there be a reset period for you here, or do you think you can just pick up right where you left off uh, in San Jose? No, I mean, there's just definitely going to be a little bit of a reset, but I felt good on the ice today, and it's just about getting mentally up to speed. Um, the structure's there, and now it's just about getting my reads back and making sure I'm doing things as quick as I possibly can. Yeah, his name is Hugh Joseph Hellebuck, and um, it was great. He's got a rock star of a mom, and she's been handling everything, and her grandma's been in town helping, which has been great. And um, Being able to be around him and hold him is just a, it's a feeling that you can't describe. If it's not too personal to ask, Connor, is there significance with the Hugh Joseph? Uh, the Joseph is just her family line name, so I helped to keep that along. Kyle, um, just what is it that you uh, saw from the group on on Saturday night, and it's the focus heading into Tuesday? Yeah, um, coming off back to back, we always knew it was you know it's a tough game. You know they're fresh coming in. They we knew what kind of game was it, it was going to be. Um, coming from playing the Blackhawks, completely different style. You know you've heard it all the way coming up to that game and. Um, you know, they do a real good job of limiting your chances. And, um, you know, we, we looked at some video today, um, you know, trying to get better every single day of the season and progressing. So I think we're going to work on some things. And, you know, you always try to learn from your losses and wins. What do you expect the game against St. Louis to look like? 
Yeah, we haven't seen them in some time, but, you know, just in years past, they've always been a tough team to play against. Um, you know, they do everything the right way. They don't give you much, you know, similar to the Islanders. Um, so that's kind of, you know, yeah, we can draw from, you know, that past game and, um, you know, things that we worked on today in practice and, you know, apply those to that game for sure. There is Connor Hellebuck and Kyle Connor. Uh, Connor talking a little bit about the uh, challenge tomorrow, the St. Louis Blues. Uh, but Remus, I think everyone was interested about the first week of fatherhood for Connor Hellebuck and um, obviously his return to the net tomorrow, which is, I think, probably most concerning to Winnipeg Jet fans. Not that Eric Comrie hasn't been just great um, in his spot, but we know how important Hellebuck is. But we did finally learn the name of Hellebuck's baby. And uh, I got to say, Huey Helly, uh, pretty uh, pretty good handle for the youngster. Yes, Double H. Us. Uh, I think that's what they're going to call him, right? Double H. But uh, congratulations to Connor Hellebuck, his wife, Andrea. Sounds like a tough one. Uh, had a bit of a bug. Couldn't see, uh, you know, thought for safety. You know, he's going to stay away. Said he couldn't play uh, the way he was feeling, but happy to hear he's feeling better. Had a full day with his son. Got to hold him for the first time. Uh, that's real exciting for uh, Connor Hellebuck. And we have to thank us. If he's starting tomorrow, they didn't officially say, but I think if he's I think if he's on the ice in the morning, it, it's likely. Well, and they sent Burden down. And they sent well, they, yeah, they sent Burden. <laughs> yeah, they sent Burden down. Okay, okay, <laughs> that's fair. But um, what's that baby swag for Connor? Yes. Were you predicting a shadow here or what? Well, I I won't I won't even mention that word, but I uh, I do think that um, you know we're going to see the best of Connor Hellebuck coming back, and he's going to definitely want to be in. I figure he probably feels like he missed a game or two while being on the shelf um, despite having the baby and missing that game last Tuesday. Uh, but again, I don't know if this could turn out better for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, I mean, listen, they could have beaten the, you know, Eric Conrad could have shut out the Islanders, not let anything in. And the team somehow won that game on Saturday. That's the one way it could have been better. But, um, you know, like we talked about in the first hour of the program, I mean, Eric Comrie, I think, has really um, showed that he's up to the challenge. He's been, you know, absolutely up to uh, everything that's been thrown his way, a 926A percentage so far through four starts. And, uh, you know, for many justifiable concerns because he was very unproven at the National Hockey League level, all in all, turned out to be, uh, you know, a, a real nice run for him, get a few games together, and, of course, get Hunter, Connor Hellebuck a little bit of rest and certainly over whatever bug he had and ready to play uh, very well in a head-to-head matchup against, in all likelihood, Jordan Pinnington tomorrow night. And I do imagine, Remo, um, you know, the Jets, I think, are going to be, um, you know, they'll, they'll certainly be looking to be much better uh, and a complete team against the Blues tomorrow night. The Blues, for their part, despite their strong start, um, they're coming off probably one of their worst games of the season. They gave up three in the third period last night to the Anaheim Ducks. So you'll see both teams coming off regulation losses, despite being right up there at the top of the central division, battling for a very important two points in the division. Yeah. you know, for the blues, I, who did I, I picked up Jordan Cairo. He was off to a, a really hot start. You know, they traded away. Um, who did this? Right. They got Pavel Buchnevich. I forget. Uh, they acquired him. Uh, Tarasenko is playing on the third line. I think Tori Krug, maybe more settled in. Uh, it's a bit of a different Blues team than last time uh, we saw them. Oh, I see Tarasenko's kind of moved up. He's playing playing pretty well. So we will see. I watched a bit of the Blues game against the Kings. I caught the end of it. Uh, the Blues came back. 
in oh, the that final. was the shootout game? And then they oh. went to a shootout, and Bennington couldn't stop anything in the shootout. The only one he stopped uh, went behind him and hit the post. So uh, we'll have to see how that goes. You know, Bennington, has, he's kind of make in the running for this Team Canada goalie oh, job. I know, which I know. It might be worrisome to some people, but, I mean, who's... Count me in that group. Who's in... I mean, for your flurry, I think price is a bit of an unknown. Canada uh, needs Carey Price to come back and just step up and be the Carey Price that mm-hmm. we know. I mean, outside of that, I don't know that there is a goaltender that could represent Canada right now that would give many Canadians um, a, a feeling of confidence going up against some of the other goaltenders that we're likely to meet in the Olympics. And that includes Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets, who very likely will be spending uh, quite a bit of time in the net for Team USA. So... Uh, you know, those will be interesting stories we'll get to, and we'll talk more about the Blues and Jets matchup on tomorrow's show heading into tomorrow's 7 o'clock puck drop. Although I know people were talking about in chat room, um, you know, the pictures you saw today, Hellebuck is wearing the new Heritage mask, working out some of the unis, and we're going to see those. I guess the Jets are wearing those 14 times this season, which will be very popular for Winnipeg fans. And uh, another pretty neat giveaway tomorrow. I just noticed that the last game they were advertising tomorrow, it's the heritage license plate keychain giveaway to mm. coincide with the return of the heritage unis for tomorrow's tilt here let's take a look we didn't show this last week when it came out but hellbucks heritage mask uh, eye candy air they do a lot of the goalie masks i mean just uh, a really nice That's classic sharp. this is classic with the jets logo on the sides i want to say this 37 kind of looks like um like Ranger 37 rather than um, Jets 37. Uh, I don't think the Jets use that like 3D style uh, numbering on their jerseys. There's just a straight outline. But hey, that's doesn't matter to me. That's it's pretty cool. It's Hellebuck's mask, not my mask. But oh, there's some nice detail here uh, behind the blue. Uh, this is a pretty sharp retro style mask. I, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, a fan of this one. You got the the jet there by the hole. Uh, well done, well done, eye candy here. Well, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get a chance to see it tomorrow night. I'm assuming Connor Hellebuck feels good in the morning. He'll get the start for the Winnipeg Jets in uh, that likely head-to-head matchup with Jordan Binnington for uh, the uh, supremacy at the top of the division, although Minnesota now two points ahead of the Jets, one point ahead of the St. Louis Blues right now heading into tonight's action in the National Hockey League. We'll get to that action. We'll get to, speaking of action, the Cool Bet Lines and the Monday Nighter in a minute. Hey, just before we do that, Ramon, I do want to talk to you about a crazy day in the National Football League Mm -hmm. yesterday. Let's quickly get to our Princess Auto Curling Report. Hard to believe, gang, we are less than two weeks away from the beginning of the Canadian Olympic curling trials. Uh, We've got three Manitoba rinks. Uh, coming, including the Princess Auto sponsor Jen Jones rink, along with Carrie Einerson, who's been dominant over the past few seasons in women's curling, and Tracy Fleury from East St. Paul. And Tracy Fleury, to be honest, you, you might be the hottest team uh, around a Canadian teams. She was defeated in the finals by Sweden's Anna Hasselberg yesterday in the Grand Slam of Curling Boost National Final 9-6. They gave up a four early that held off a furious comeback. Uh, Hasselberg did, held up a furious comeback from the Manitobans. Uh, So Fleury, along with the Einerson and Jones rink, looking good, heading into Saskatoon for November 20th. And meanwhile, on the men's side, Brad Gushu won his 12th Grand Slam of Curling title 
with a 5-2 win over Bruce Moat at the Bruce National. Uh, Gushu pocketed 33 grand, 12 Pinty's Cup points, and a spot in the season-ending Coyote Tractor Championships Cup in May. And of course, Manitoba teams for the upcoming Olympic trials are Princess Auto sponsored Mike McEwen, as well as Jason Gunlickson. Gunner and the boys got in on that last chance qualifier, and we should give a nod to Winnipeg's Matt Dunstone, who's also there along with his team from Saskatchewan. Of course, Princess Auto is the spot where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Plus, sudden items from the new farm category as well. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them in store at either two Winnipeg locations or online at princessauto.com, or you can shop 24 7, 365. All right, Reem, we'll save the cool bet lines for a few minutes. Let's first get to yesterday in the National Football League. And uh, what a crazy, crazy day! of upsets um you know normally the dallas cowboys losing at home getting pounded by teddy bridgewater and the denver broncos might be the most shocking upset of the day uh but when you have the rams getting pumped in prime time last night by the titans and the bills of all teams as 15 point favorites losing to the jacksonville jaguars Sort of tough to maybe pick out the most shocking result yesterday, but there were plenty of them as I believe underdogs went eight and four outright straight up. Yeah, I was really torn on my survivor pool, uh, Dallas or uh, the Dolphins. And sadly, I went with the bigger favorite in Dallas because they I had a hard time taking Is the Dolphins. Is anybody left in survivor no, every, after every, this? Everyone week. took Dallas. There was like five people, five or six, and then one person took the Raiders, who also lost. So I'm not sure what happens now in a pool because everyone everyone bounced. But um, it was a crazy crazy for fantasy, uh, too, if you were playing daily fantasy. You know, the Bills laid in total egg against Jacksonville. As you said, Dallas uh, stank. Um, let me see. the uh, Yeah, the Bengals. I thought they'd put up more of a fight against the Browns. Um I'm trying to trying to see some well, of these. How about, and how about how about this? I mean, just speaking of the performances, like a weird fantasy week. I mean, there were some of the lowest totals I've ever seen in fantasy yeah. football. But my guy Chris Meany, um, who often, if you're watching us live on on uh, YouTube, um, if you can hit Game Plus Network afterwards, Mean Streets is off and on. He's got some great stuff. I kind of watched him somewhat live earlier today before it aired on Game Plus. Here are the top twelve wide receivers from Week Nine. Stat-wise for fantasy. Number okay. one, Elijah Moore. Number two, okay. Devonta Smith. Number three, Olamide Zacchaeus. Yes. Number four, Malik Turner. Tim yeah. Patrick was five. Corderell Patterson was six. Donovan Peoples-Jones was seven. Justin Jefferson and Keegan Allen, eight and nine. Marquise Brown, we've heard of him. Brandon Ayuk, 11, and Cooper Cup, 12. But when you look at that top five, Moore, Smith, Zacchaeus, Turner, and Patrick, it just goes to show you how bizarre this week we've just gone through was in the NFL. Yeah, bizarre. Uh, it was definitely a weird week. Uh, I did cash in the Winnipeg Sports Sock DraftKings. I was like number six or seven out of 50. So I was was uh, okay for me, but it was definitely uh, one of those weird ones. And I think uh, with the buys finishing, and again, we, we didn't even mention the 
Sunday Night Football, Tennessee upsetting the Rams, Dude. and they've been on a tear huh, since they lost to the Jets, and they lost Darren he- Derrick Henry. Also, shout out to Adrian Peterson, who returned and scored a touchdown. Remember him? Has, He's incredible. Uh, incredible. He was drafted in 2007. There's four yeah. players left from the 2007 okay. draft. Okay. Oh, Mason from draft? Crosby from that yeah. draft that are okay. still in the NFL right now. Mason Crosby and another kicker that I can't remember his name. One long snapper and Adrian Peterson. And when you think of the mileage, the hits that this guy has taken, um, he's a freak of nature athlete and his longevity. um, You know, I always thought about Frank Gore as a guy that probably should go to the Hall of Fame just because he was able to play for as long as he did. Um, The fact that AP is just sitting around ready to go in shape, waiting for a phone call. Derrick Henry goes down, and then there he is last night going into the end zone for a touchdown. Pretty wild, uh, pretty wild um, you know, scene for, for AP. Um, and an all-timer for sure when it comes to the running back position in the National Football League. But as far as that game goes, man, it was all about the defense. Uh, I don't know what it is. Tennessee, two games in a row. Uh, basically, they turned Matt Stafford into Carson Wentz last night in the first half. I mean, that pick six from his own end zone was, I mean, a horrible decision and followed it right up after that with another pick six that put them really behind the eight ball. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of people, myself included, expected Tennessee to have a real big drop off and or maybe come to reality moment without Derrick Henry. It was the exact opposite for a team that beat the Bills, smashed the Chiefs, now beats the Rams. Um, You know, they're seven and two right there at the top of the AFC right now. And I think it's time for some people to, you know, maybe give Mike Vrabel in the credit that the rest of his team deserves because it's been easy to focus on Derrick Henry and the MVP type season he was having through the first half of the year. But they lost Derrick Henry. They brought in Adrian Peterson off the street and had, you know, arguably as good a performance as they had in these other big wins on this recent streak they're on. Yeah, they still have some, you know, talented receivers like A.J. Brown and uh, and Julio Jones who kind of thought they'd maybe a bit more explosive. But, the you know, the pass game is going to have to step up. Uh, but it was the defense yesterday, you know, Cooper Cup, we thought uh, you couldn't shut him and this explosive Rams pass game down. But what there was some uh, what some pick sixes, some turnovers, as you said, people laughing in the chat, making Matt Stafford look like uh, look like Jared Goff. That's a good one. So I, I'm still pretty high on the Rams. I mean, both those teams now seven and two. Um, but I think Tennessee, I think they're just kind of counting down now and hoping Derrick Henry is 100 percent. When it comes to the playoffs, because uh, I guess one benefit is going to be he's going to be rested and his body won't be all beaten up from, uh, you know, extended uh, regular season. But uh, watch out for for Tennessee losing to the Jets and and go on a heater. Yeah, you got it. Uh, We've got to talk about this Packers Chiefs game. Um, No Aaron Rodgers. And by the way, did you see Terry Bradshaw talk about Rodgers? Was that funny? Uh, yeah, Terry gave it to Rogers. They were at well, the Naval Academy and they said he should come by here, yeah. the Naval Academy and learn how to tell the truth and not be a liar. Like he really gave it to Aaron. I wonder whether Aaron was spending all the time watching what everyone was saying about him. He yeah. probably was. Do you think he saw Pete Davidson dressed up as him on <laughs> SNL? <laughs> <laughs> with with uh, you had the hair, the toque, the same shirt. Uh, that was pretty... <laughs> Pretty well, well done. So yeah, Rogers was definitely uh, hearing it from everyone. They certainly could have used 
uh, Aaron Rodgers at Arrowhead. Jordan Love starting. I know some people were taking Jordan Love on on the fantasy. Um, you see where uh, they seated his parents at Arrowhead in the very <laughs> last, the very last hey, row. To be honest, I know a lot of people want to give it to the Chiefs for sticking Jordan Love's mom and girlfriend up in the very top row of Arrowhead Stadium. Mm-hmm. I've got news for you, folks. This is on the Packers. The visiting teams get a bunch of tickets. They get some really good ones, and they get some higher-up ones. And uh, they decided to put their starting quarterback's girlfriend and mother in the top row of Arrowhead Stadium, where I have sat before. And yes, it is quite high up. So uh, Chiefs are completely absolved of this. The Packers decide what they're doing with their own visiting team tickets. It was a pretty funny look. Um, But you know what? Maybe that was a good spot to be for them uh, away because... You know, he had a real tough time with the blitz yesterday, but, you know, the Green Bay defense held in. And, I mean, for a good portion of that game, you can imagine, I'm sitting there going, who is this guy wearing number 15 for the Kansas City Chiefs? What's happened to Patrick Mahomes? And it's still a work in progress. It was a frustrating day. The bottom line was, though, no turnovers. And, you know, he'd been really pushing it, forcing it with the new ways defenses are playing him this year. And it resulted in some mistakes that really cost the Chiefs. And that wasn't the case yesterday. And I think they had the confidence that the defense was doing a good enough job against Love and the Packers offense. But, I mean, they missed a field goal early on. They had another field goal block. They had a shanked punt that ended up basically being three points. So the Packers were very much in that game and certainly should have covered the number, which they did yesterday. Um, But I will say this about Mahomes. Before everyone yeah, puts I was more say, dirt. He, he sucks now, right? No, he doesn't. He's, he does not done. suck now. 166 but, yards against, what is going hey, on here? You know, before we put the dirt on Mahomes and the Chiefs, that final drive, that was the first time Mahomes had looked like Mahomes in the last month. Um, they've got a huge game in primetime next week coming up against the Raiders. Then they've got the Cowboys coming up later on. So, you know, is this team the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC that many people thought going into the season? No, definitely not. I will accept that. But uh, when you look at what's happened, like, like, let's look at the standings right now. Well, what happened in the AFC yesterday? I mean, we move over. First of all, the Bills loss has brought the Patriots right back into the thick of things. And I know that churns the stomach of many, including me. Uh, the Pats are five and four. The Bills are five and three after that stunning loss to the uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. AFC North, uh, well, we should mention this: the Vikings too, blowing a fourteen point lead, end up being down seven points late in the game. They come back, get it to OT, but it wasn't enough. Baltimore goes to six and two. Vikings fall to three and five. And Baltimore, you know, it was what three weeks ago, Remus, that the Steelers were one and three and in last place in the North. And now with a win tonight against the Bears, they can be one point uh, or one win out. And, um, you know, the Bengals were second or sorry, first in the AFC two weeks ago, uh, back to back ugly losses to the Jets and Browns. And now they're 10th in the AFC. It really is crazy how many good teams are at least above 500 teams there are in the AFC and how few there are in the NFC right now. But you've got the Titans at seven and two. And then Indy's at four and five. And then the AFC West is where it's really interesting. All the teams have five wins. 
The uh, Raiders and Chargers are at five and three, and the uh, Chiefs and Broncos, who still need to have their bye week, are at five and four. And next week, it is Kansas City and the Raiders. But when you look at the NFC, there's seven playoff teams this year. So I'll ask you this, and folks in the chat, you tell me. Dallas is in. They're going to win the NFC East. They're at six and two. The Packers are at seven and two in the NFC North. They're going to cruise there. The Buccaneers are six and two. Their first place in the South. And the Cardinals, with the win without Kyler Murray, are eight and one. And the Rams are seven and two. So let's just give all those teams playoff spots right now. After those five teams, the Saints are five and three. The Panthers are sort of the Falcons are four and four after their win in New Orleans yesterday. And the Panthers are the only other team in the NFC with a fourth win, and they're four and five. I mean, as insane as this sounds, Seattle getting Russell Wilson back next week at three and five. And even, dare I say it, the Minnesota Vikings at three and five could actually be playoff teams. Um, three and fives, you're pretty much done if that's where you are in the AFC right now. But man, it is so wide open. And I mean, I don't know. I still think we'll be talking about in the conference championship weeks and out of wildcard weekend about, you know, those five teams that we mentioned right off the bat. But there absolutely is a huge opening for a team that's had a really ugly first half of the season to get it together, Reem, and maybe be uh, be peaking at the right time and be a dangerous out for a team that's you know essentially had a playoff spot, you know, clinched it halfway through the season. Yeah, it's kind of funny uh, looking at these standings. I see Jeff Kabilis and Chad. He says, what? Falcons are at 500? Yeah, they're 4-4. Four and four. <laughs> I think they're pretty terrible. I couldn't believe it either. They lost a, a rough one to the Saints. Speaking of losing a rough one, the Vikings, you know, blew a big lead against the Ravens, you know, had the ball in, um, in overtime, but weren't able to do anything. And Lamar Jackson led a huge comeback. They're 3-5. and five. I mean, they've had, a, I think, a couple overtime losses. And a couple of sting. Well, I mean, the Arizona losing... game still. Yeah. I mean, that, you know, you've got a 37-yarder indoors to win a game in the middle of the hash marks. That has to go in. And it yeah. didn't. And um, But, and uh, but I guess Rush. the bottom line is, as ugly as the last couple weeks has been, especially that last Sunday and the loss to Cooper Rush, as you mentioned, uh, the Vikings are not dead right now. Um, there's a 17th game. They've got nine left. They're three and five on the season. Uh, but they're going to need to get it together quite quickly. And, and I'm a big Zimmer guy. I don't know how many of you Viking fans with this in the chat are um, are, are with us, but I heard there's a lot of a lot of chatter about maybe this is it for Zim. Um, I'd love to see him hold on to the job. I, I think he's a good coach. I, I understand that the pressure that comes with the National Football League, the amount of time that he's been there, the disappointments that they've had, especially this season. You do look at the head coach. But I'd at least like to see him get the opportunity to finish up this season and see if they can get the team into the playoffs. And I'll tell you what, with that offense, I mean, that's a team that, you know, they always play close games and they've been losing their fair share of them so far this season. That could change later on in the year. So I'm not entirely out on the Vikings right now. I think Viking fans should still have a sliver of optimism. Yeah going into the second half of the year. I was driving around yesterday afternoon. And I used to listen to uh, games on, on our local sports station, but I had to uh, flip around the dial. There's a pro tip. I think 7.90 a.m. Yep. on Sundays has Viking. Has Viking AFGO out of Fargo, and you can get some so, ads for Jack Michaels with a full weekend sports report as well as the latest with the NDSU Bisons coming up on Monday morning show. Wow, so you've been listening. Yeah, I have that as one of my, pre, as one of my presets. 
But I was listening to the call-in show after people there. They're not happy in Minnesota. <laughs> They're questioning uh, the plays, personnel, your standard post-game call-in show after a team loses a heartbreak. Well, and I, I uh I had to take uh, I, Dusty uh, uh, Dustin Nielsen was in um, for calling the game on the weekend. We went out after the game on Friday night, and then I picked him up, and uh, we went for brunch and watched oh. the first half where's, of the games. Where's my invite? Part of the games. What uh, the hell? Well, it, it happened quickly. Well, you're always welcome, but you're always quite busy as well. It's hard enough to what? get you off the uh, the DraftKings manifest uh, going what? forward. You want to give me an invite? Hang out with <laughs> Dusty? What is it? Because I insulted his uh, profession in the athletic article. Yeah, he said radio is dead. He's he's done with you. <laughs> he's you're done suspended. With... <laughs> you're suspended for the next month after uh, after all of that. Whoa! I see. Uh, Mike <laughs> Cochran and Mitch are uh, are on the fire Zimmer train right now, guys. Well. If it happened, I would understand it. I personally hope that they don't fire him and he gets a chance to come back. But the reason I mentioned that is that I was I had to drop him off at the airport in and around two, and I was going to watch the Packers Chiefs game at a buddy's spot, uh, which I think is probably the furthest place in the entire city away from the airport without going past the perimeter highway. So I got a good chance to listen to that final drive by the Vikings with Paul Allen, who is one of my favorites. I mean, when it comes to local announcers, I mean, that's not going to cut it on a national broadcast, but he knows the people that are listening to him. It's Vikings fans, and he really is one of them. And I just have such a good time listening to PA do it. Um, so anyways, they, it was all good news with PA up until they got to overtime. Mm. I was then at my destination. We watched the rest of it on, uh, on, the, uh, on the tube, so I didn't hear how it ended, but he's had some pretty epic calls both the for the good and the bad when it comes to the Vikings. And I'll tell you what, he's the perfect guy to be doing that team, Remus, because you can pretty much count on it. Win or lose, the Viking game is going to come right down to the final minutes of the fourth quarter, if not going to overtime like yesterday. Yeah, I I, I agree. They've had some uh, some close games. What, losing to the Ravens by three, Cowboys by four, beat the Lions. The Lions almost, oh yeah, they had that crazy drive at the end of that Lions game, now that I I remember. <laughs> and then, you yeah, the Cards game as well. Oh yeah, lost to the Bengals. Was that, no, was that preseason or is that, no, no, they lost oh, the Bengals in overtime, in overtime week one. So, yeah, like a couple overtime losses there. You can't make the last second field like, goal. Like it doesn't matter. They can be playing against the 8-1 and one Cardinals yeah. or the 0-8 Lions. The mm -hmm. game's still coming down to the final two minutes, so uh, yeah. you know, take the points if you're playing. If you're looking at the Vikings as a big underdog, or if they're a big favorite, take the other team. And trust me, that'll work out. Speaking of taking the points, let's get uh, over to the Cool Bet site for our Cool Bet odds for this evening. Three games in the NHL, Monday Night Football. I was choked that our first ever Peg City parlay for Saturday didn't cash. Um, the Bombers didn't cover anyways. Uh, but you know, once we once we saw the Islanders suffocating the life out of the Jets as they tried to come back, we knew that probably. But I will promise that we will do another one for December fifth. Bombers in the West Final and Leafs Jets. I'll let you know about that on upcoming shows. But as far as this game goes tonight, uh, we've got the Bears and Steelers. And it's interesting. This game I was saw as high as seven and a half earlier. I'm seeing six and a half right now, although that is plus 101. If you do want the Bears at plus seven and a half, you can get it at minus 125 or just a straight seven at minus 118. Um, total on the game is only 40 points. That's about as low as you'll see at any point. And if you think that the Bears 
can go and pop the upset plus 250 on the money line uh, as well as you can get to Kubet. You can see all the uh, player props, TD scorers, rushing, receiving, passing, and whatnot more, or do a little bet builder, add a few in together and uh, try and hit it big. As far as the NHL goes tonight, there are three games in the league. Uh, the undefeated Panthers, who had that big win on Saturday night over the Hurricanes, they had the Canes their first loss. Panthers now 10-0-1 on the season. They're minus 118 in MSG to take on the Rangers, who are licking their wounds after getting humiliated 6-0 by the Calgary Flames uh, earlier on, on Saturday night. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres, big underdog, plus 220 in Washington to take on the Capitals. And the Los Angeles Kings, a plus 220 underdog on the road taking on the Toronto Maple Leafs who have won five in a row all of a sudden. But uh, yeah, remember, that was one thing we should have mentioned. I mean, what a game that was Saturday night. I know everyone here was focused on either the Jets or the Bombers or both. Uh, but man, the Panthers haven't missed a beat since Coach Q got whacked. And Andrew Brunette, who came in as a very cheap, um, you know, temporary coach, um, uh, the way this team is playing, they might just keep rolling with Brunette behind the bench. Yeah, I was seeing some sharps on Twitter today that will say take the Rangers at plus 100. I think Barkov is a game-time decision, and Spencer Knight is starting in goal for the Panthers. And believe it or not, as he is not as good as, hasn't been as good this year as Sergei Bobrovsky has been. So some sharps there saying... Well, Bob's getting pushed by, uh, you know, the rookie Spencer mm -hmm. Knight. It's one thing to have Chris Dreger there. It's on an expiring contract that is a league minimum guy that's coming in. You know, that guy, you know, when you're making $10 million, probably not happening. But when you have a player drafted as highly and as touted like Spencer Knight is come in, that's a real legitimate push, despite the $10 million on the paycheck. And uh, Bob, to his credit, has stepped up and kind of answered after a pretty disappointing season where Chris Dreger was the guy for a good portion of last season before he joined the Kraken in the offseason. Yes, uh, I agree with you. So we will we'll see about uh, about that game. I'm trying to think if there's any other games. Only three, only three tonight. Uh, so uh, I guess that that would be the game. And then unless you're in for a Kings Maple Leafs, you hear about. Uh, you know, Marner and Matthews, you know, they're scoring goals now. I don't know if you they're uh, back. knew that. They're oh, back. Oh, yeah, they're Neil, back. Neil and Ardu, apparently that's the only guys who scored the last bunch of uh, goals for Toronto. So everything's okay over there. No, don't need to panic anymore. Well, they've won five in a row, and many of these games have not been that impressive. I mean, I think about the OT win over Chicago that got them started on it. But, mm -hmm. you know, honestly, in two months or three months or at the end of the season when we're seeing about the playoff, no one cares about, you know, the streak in October or whatever. It's all about getting points in the standings and the Leafs mm -hmm. are doing that right now. And frankly, they were what one, four and one, I think to start the year. So uh, they had to do it. Uh, if you want to bet on the Monday nighter tonight, use the promo code WST at cool bet on your first deposit. They'll double it up to $200. Um, we do have to get to just a few Manitoba sports stories. By the way, I mean, first off, let's stay on the hockey. Uh, it was a weird weekend for the Moose. Um, they lost 2-1 in overtime on Friday to Milwaukee. They beat the Wolves 5-1 on Saturday in Chicago. Then they went to Rockford and lost 4-3. So uh, three points in three games. You know, not bad, not great. 
Uh, they continue this road trip back in Milwaukee. Couple more, I believe, on Grand Rapids on the weekend. So the team is away right now, and that could complicate things for Winnipeg Jets calling players up, depending on if they do need somebody for tomorrow, if that's not already taken care of. But the ice, and I look at Bills and a few people were at the game on the weekend. The Winnipeg Ice are now 14-1 and on the season. Um, they did allow Red Deer maybe back in the game a little bit much yesterday. Took quite a few penalties and had to pay for it. But a 7-5 win over Red Deer, 14-1 and on the season. Uh, back on the practice ice today, getting ready to uh, look to go to 15-1 and when the Lethbridge Hurricanes hit the ice cave on Wednesday night. Pretty magical start to the season for the Winnipeg Ice, to say the least. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I got to find time to get out to a game uh, to us. Uh, so I keep, he keep hearing is how they are only winning maybe games. Wednesday. Maybe Wednesday. fourteen oh one. Yeah, maybe. My plans have uh, have opened up this week. So, um, yeah, busy busy week here for Winnipecaukee. I know the Moose are coming back as well. So, um, yeah, we're, we're following along just about everything. When did you, I saw you tweeting about the Bisons. Well, I, yeah, the, the, uh, the playoff game is set for the Bisons. That is going to be on Saturday at IG field. The, uh, number two Bisons hosting the number three, Alberta golden bears party cup semifinal 4 PM IG field on Saturday. Um, and, you know, I got to give a, a big, big congratulations to Brian Doby and his entire team. Um, you know, it, it's been a heavy, heavy year for the Bisons. They, I mean, they lost their starting quarterback early on. Um, you know, they lost Scott Najox, who is a beloved member of the football community in Manitoba and one of their coaches with two of his brothers on the squad. Um, and I think a lot of people had thought that that was going to be a bit too much for the Bisons to handle this year. Had a couple crazy wins. Speaking of teams like the Vikings that always seemingly end up playing thrillers, uh, more often than not, you can count on that. And the Hardy Cup playoffs last year were legendary. So if you do have time on Saturday, make a point of getting out there. Should be a great football game. Uh, but the Bisons, 22-3 to winners over the Regina Rams on the weekend to clinch four spot, a home playoff game. And uh, it'll go down Saturday afternoon. And I'll tell you what, Rian, it would have been nice to have that uh, afternoon game this week. Of course, we had the Bombers at 6 o'clock, but I mean, just what an absolutely gorgeous weekend of weather. Uh, and that made for probably the most pleasant November game, I would imagine, in Winnipeg Blue Bomber history. I mean, I don't know how yeah. it could get any better than that for a home game at night in November. Yeah, you got any hot uh, time change takes here about the weekend, Huss? What a, what a weekend. I mean, I was wearing a T-shirt. I barbecued yesterday, although I barbecued at 5.30, and it's pitch black outside. Who's, why are we on daylight savings time all the time? I, I know people, there's people out there who want to get rid of daylight savings time. I don't want to barbecue at 5.30 outside and pitch black. That's stupid. Yeah, well, so, I think another part of it as well is that yeah. it stays so dark so late uh, mm. into the morning if you don't change it. There's a lot of kids. I mean, I don't know whether kids oh, still that, walk to school. I mean, in that some why? places they do. Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, that that is certainly something I heard from many people. They want to mm. have it light out for when, you know, kids are are, are going to school or for that traffic. So Okay, uh, well, you're I'm, a parent. You're a parent. You need to you need to be cognizant. I didn't know about that. Well, us. anyways, I am pro uh i mean obviously uh time change sometimes people say it sucks and people say you know it's daylight bad. savings equals yeah. time zone changes for rematch it is a time zone change yeah, everyone well, had a time zone change on the weekend 
Yeah, my son woke up a bit earlier, but we kind of, it sucked for a day, but, you know, it was fine. And then Wayne Jones, who's in Norway, says, you have no idea of darkness. And I do hear that it is much different Wayne, Wayne, over Wayne, there. give us the, just in the chat, if you would, before we go, give us an idea. Like, at what time does it get light there? And at what time does it get dark in the winter, like during your short mm -hmm. days? I want to go out there. I want to get to, like, to Iceland or one of those spots in the down. summer, though, to see. He says, sun goes down here at 4 p.m. in the winter and comes up after 9.30. Wow. That's rough. That sounds that sounds a bit rough. But say, again, the summer, you're probably staying, you probably have sunlight till like 11 at night. Then it goes up at 4 yeah. in the morning. I will say, as long as we have the late sunsets in the summer, that's all That's all you need. Like the 9.30, 10 I love sunsets. Those. Yeah. Like we need to... You can get in 18 holes. You can yeah. tee off at 6.30 and get in 18 holes. We need to preserve, do whatever right. you can to preserve that because I see people shitting on daylight savings time. But um, if that means you're taking away the late sunset in the summer, then get out of here. Yeah. Uh, overall, I don't really care. As, to me, it's all about managing the summer as well as possible. And yes. yes. Having those late sun sites. I don't want it getting light at 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning. I'd rather push that back and get it done. So uh, mm -hmm. anyways, here we are. We're uh, we're going to be dealing with it. It'll be a shorter days. There could be some white stuff on the ground pretty soon. But uh, a big yeah. thank you to Mother Nature because she stepped up big time on the weekend for that final regular season bomber game. And to be honest, for December 5th, I kind of want it to be cold. We want it to be inhospitable for whoever is making their way down to Winnipeg to for a trip to the Grey Cup. You know, the bombers will be ready. I know a lot of you are, have already got those tickets. I will be there. But everyone I know is going to be at this game. There's a real level of excitement for it. Again, it is December, but we're from Winnipeg. We'll bundle up. We'll be there. And it should be a uh, should be a heck of a game and a heck of a day with the Jets and Leafs playing after that at 7 o'clock that night at Canada Life Center. So, uh, Rima, you got a thought on this football game before we go? Uh, yeah. Taking seven points with the Bears or are you going with Pittsburgh? I was going to say, just for the record, uh, our weather watch for December 5 has minus 12 uh, right now at AccuWeather. But as far as... Okay. <laughs> We're still a that, month out. We're still a month out. <laughs> if you buy that. Um, the football game tonight, I'm not betting on the Bears. Um, Justin Fields, he, he hasn't been able to get it done. Uh, Pittsburgh, what is this, at home on Monday night... Three wins in a row. I'm taking. They're hot after that terrible start. I don't think Pittsburgh is particularly great. I like their running back. They have good receivers. Uh, the quarterback can't really throw the ball anymore. But uh, I don't think the Bears are very good. So I'm leaning Steelers. With the, Leighton Janice is betting on fields. I might just on principle take the points here um, and it take does the underdog. Like especially after we saw what happened yesterday in the National Football League. No one was getting rich laying big numbers with favorites yesterday, yes. uh, to be honest. But... Chargers was my big pick. Finally, at least I got on the one favorite that did come through. And I knew that that Chiefs-Packers game was going to be close. There was no way I was laying seven and a half on Kansas City, considering the way they had been playing. Even with love at quarterback? Even with love at quarterback. Wow. Even, yeah. I he mean, was not good. No, he wasn't that good. But again, they now had there was some Mahomes. mistakes. That game should he have been closer. Bad, Huss. Mahomes, he just doesn't have it anymore. He wasn't great. He wasn't great. <laughs> but again, with the game on the line late, he came up big. He gave me glimpses of the guy that has been the MVP, <laughs> the Super Bowl MVP, and uh, the guy that's been in the Super Bowl the last two years. So we're not ready to uh, pour dirt on the Chiefs right now. It was a big weekend for them. They're half a game out of first place back in the division, but certainly have a long ways to go. 
Uh, all right, that's going to do it for us tomorrow. Game day show. We'll have uh, lots on the Jets and Blues. We'll wrap the weekend in the National Football League. We'll look ahead to bomber practice their week now that the uh, closed practice is finished. Um, and much, much more on all of your local teams and all the big stories in sports. Big thanks to our newest sponsor, Vita Health Fresh Market. Great to have Vita on board. Check out one of their seven locations in the city of Winnipeg, along with Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Autocorp, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, the Great Taste of Canadian Club Whiskey, and of course, our betting partner, Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great Monday night. We'll see you tomorrow. Getting ready to break out the Heritage Unis for the Jets and Blues tomorrow on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a great night. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.